Today's episode of Lighting Up the Marquee is sponsored by Dark Sales Productions. In today's world, video is the best way to share your story. Whether you're looking to market your business or brand on social media, or even share amazing memories like your wedding and other events, Dark Sales Productions is committed to creating the best content and capturing your most precious memories for you. Based in the Chicagoland area, Dark Sales Productions has worked with clients in the past to help market both local businesses and larger brands, capture newlyweds' perfect day, produce short films, and even work with individuals looking to have professional photos and headshots taken. No matter the business occasion or individual, Dark Sales Productions is ready to work with you. All you have to do is visit the website darksalesproductions.com to learn more about them, and you can also contact them to get started on your next project. That's D-A-R-K-S-A-I-L-S-P-R-O-D-U-C-T-I-O-N-S dot com. And if you go over there and mention that you listen to this ad on Lighting Up the Marquee, they'll hook you up with some special offers. Once again, that's darksalesproductions.com. All you got to do is mention that you listen to this ad on Lighting Up the Marquee, and some special offers will be there waiting for you. Now, let's get started with today's episode. We are back. Happy New Year, everybody. This is a new year, new season. We are back at Lighting Up the Marquee Season 3. And we got we got the guest. The guest of the season. The guest of last season. <laughs> he just stayed. <laughs> season premiere was on the season Boy. finale. We got Arsenio well, I, back. <laughs> what's going on, guys? Well, not necessarily stayed. I technically moved up up north. But yeah. Technically. We honestly should have just like after the season finale been like, you know what? Let's just record another one. Like, let's go. <laughs> We're just going to do the oh season premiere. Dude, yeah, totally. Well, because I texted you because I was like, I was like, I got time before season three. Don't worry. And then a week <laughs> passed and I went, shit, season three is next week. <laughs> I have to get an episode. Yeah. Dude, was, a lot of that snuck up on me too because like a bunch of stuff. Oh, yeah, I'm going to do Wonder Woman review and all this stuff. And then like half like once the move happened, dude, I am exhausted. <laughs> so now I'm just like. I'll get to it when I get to it. <laughs> I know. I called you. Yesterday. I called you yesterday, and you're like, "I just parked." <laughs> Dude, I was so yeah. I mean, you think six and a half hours is not that bad of a drive, but like, if you really think about it, like, dude, that's six and a half hours of literally just sitting there. I think that's you what. Uh, well, that's what Claudia and I did when we drove out to Indy. It'd be like eight hour days. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean, you just did it by yourself. Yeah, was like I was, me. I was with like Claudia and the cats, so. At least, at least you had um, something to keep you awake, you know. Yeah. For me, it was just I, I found this amazing podcast. Um, I mean, for the viewers of your of your podcast, I f- sorry, but um, I found another podcast. They talk about a lot about different scores mm-hmm. and different movie scores and everything. And I I watched a documentary, and it's all about scores, different scores that made movies, um, from like John Williams to Hans Zimmer to Alexander Desplat, you know, just all these different um, composers. And I didn't even know they had podcasts. And then um, I was listening to it on the road and it's really interesting. And you, they actually got uh, Danny Elfman on uh, uh, their season premiere. And he went into in depth of how he became a composer and how he even got to where he is, you mm-hmm. know? And I'm just like, 
the heck? Because like this dude has no, he had no musical background. He had no training. He was just wasn't he? Well, did he it. was in Oingo Boingo. Before yeah, he was but like he a- he just he, he just fell into it though. Mm-hmm. He didn't even want to be in a band. And his brother was it. like, yeah. His brother was like, hey, we need a band. We need to start a band, and you're the only one who can like put together a composition. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, but like, yeah, dude, it, definitely listen to it. It's really interesting. What's uh, it called? Listen to uh, the Score podcast. The Score. Uh, I'll check it out. I'll add it to my list. Yeah. Um, I got a lot of shit going on for the new year. There's a lot of things I want to get done. Um, yeah, we can, we're going to talk about some New Year's resolutions, and then we will get into the topic of today's show, which I think you actually brought up to me as an idea, which I, I actually liked. Yeah, it's this because um, what really sparked it was I just uh, finished watching uh, Wolf Walkers on Apple TV Plus, and I, after finishing it, I'm like, dude, this movie's so good, and no one's going to watch it. <laughs> you know right because 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 it's an animation because people kind of pass it off because it's like oh it's some kids thing it's not a kids thing this thing is it's how how i described it to my friends i, I was video calling them yesterday as soon as i got here um how i described it to them was like it's basically hunchback of notre dame with irish lore and irish like background and that's basically wolf walkers and it's really really good i was very very pleasantly surprised yeah like sorry not to interrupt you but i freaked myself out like in Uh if you look in the background of your tv i see my reflection (laughs) i was like (laughs) that's hilarious i like noticed it and i went arsenio run (laughs) (laughs) but no yeah that's what um that's what like i was as soon as you mentioned that i was like that's a good idea like this episode we'll talk about like and it's not necessarily like movies people don't know. I think mm-hmm. it's more like either movies that are hidden gems, just underrated films or films that maybe like a small demographic of people may know. Or like if you know film, you know it. But like the general movie going audience or like someone that just watches movies, but doesn't really like explore, like they'll see a filmmaker's film, but they don't really like explore their filmography sort of right. sort of style. Right, no, because it's like for me, like I can say that for like Wes Anderson, with like I have not seen Fantastic Mr. Fox or I haven't seen Dog uh, Isle of Dogs. Mm-hmm. Not not for any particular reason, but it's just because I know it's a stop motion animation mm-hmm. and the way it looks, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna really need a like, <laughs> I'm gonna need to really need a moment and like be in the right headspace to really like sit down and actually watch this thing. You they're know? they're good. It's like watching those two especially back to back is like fantastic mr fox was like a good stop motion film mm-hmm. and then he only just improved the technology for isle of dogs oh wow like there's okay. a whole sushi cutting scene that's stop motion oh, and it right. looks it looks so good and they uh i remember them breaking it down like um i think we both follow these people on um on instagram like they break down like different vfx and mm-hmm. stop motion uh, animated things and i remember seeing that and I was like, dude, that's intense. Like, that's, I can't even imagine what it takes to even do that type of scene, you know? Well, it's like the same thing with, like, I keep seeing um, for that movie Missing Link, which was pretty underrated for 2019. Oh, you know why? I didn't even put that on my list. It was such a. Did, it wasn't on my list either. I just thought of it now because of <laughs> yeah. stop motion. 
Yeah, because honestly, what they were able to do with that movie—I guess we're going into it—but like what they were, what they were able to do with that movie is mind blowing because mm-hmm. they basically gave you an Indiana Jones type movie in a stop motion animated um, animated format, you know, and it works. Now, yes, and it's actually genuinely funny. Yeah, <laughs> it's know? not like there's a there may be a couple forced jokes, like just yeah. a couple like sprinkled in, but like other mm-hmm. than that, it's actually funny. It's well, a kids it's movie. Like, it's a and it's a kids movie, but adults like I loved it when I watched it. Yeah, because like it's almost like Kubo, where Kubo was it had its genuinely funny moments and everything, but there's other parts where like eh, okay, like right. there were some like you know kind of forced scenes where you're like okay, whatever, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. But yeah, so like that's what we're gonna talk about today is films like even films like like Missing Link just came out two years mm-hmm. ago as of right mm-hmm. now, with 2021, mm-hmm. and I, I know it won Best Animation, I believe, for Golden Globes or the Oscars. I think it was. I think it no, got the Oscar. Are you sure? I think it did because I remember that was a huge deal because I think oh, okay. it beat out um like a a Disney movie or a Pixar movie. Oh wow! But yeah. it's like films like that where they may be like even critically great and do well with audiences but like they might either be forgotten over time or just like not enough people have seen it like it's one of those things where they get talked about for a while and then just kind of disappear but they shouldn't um we can get into that but i wanted to briefly before we get into it talk about like your new year resolutions mine and um you know how everything went with the move and oh yeah so oh yeah no it was now sorry it, it it got nominated it won for golden globe it got oh, nominated okay. for the oscars okay. i think it was no you know what was 2018 spider-man into the spider-verse okay yeah that makes sense okay sorry continue. wait missing link was 2018 or yeah I know, I know, oh, i'm sorry that was 2019 i know spider-verse won 2018's oscar as yeah, it should yeah, yeah oh, dude definitely mm-hmm. okay now i have to now i have to look this up i'm sorry I think it won best animated feature. Oh, 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 oh. oh no, it it was uh, Toy Story four. Um, yeah, best animated. Dude, I have like the stuff that I have that were on Oscars last year. For those who've been listening for that long, you guys are probably familiar with half the titles I have on my list. But but Toy Story four won. But between that, between Toy Story four, I lost my body in Klaus. I lost my body in Klaus or even missing link should have won over Toy Story four. Personally, they have, but here's the thing about those. They may not necessarily have better animation, but I think they have more unique styles where Toy Story four is essentially just Pixar being like, look at us, look at how like, like even soul, like soul's animation is beautiful, but, but then again, it's, it's Pixar. It's like Pixar animation. Yes. But I think with Toy Story 3, they really, really improved the animation. And then from 3 to 4, what are the... Uh, they had Incredibles 2. Find- had, I mean, no, Incredibles 2. Incredibles also, 2 was really good. That one was really they, good. They made it more cinematic, more more real life compared even, to, um, you know, The before. first one. Even um, Coco had really good animation. Coco even, yeah. Um, but I think, I think because that was still like the um which we call it the pixar-esque look mm-hmm. but i think the one that actually went for like realism was uh toy story 4 because that one yeah. it was like so real 
Mm-hmm. Like it, it looked like there was like actual real people. Well, even uh, you can make no. an argument about Incredibles too, because like there's that whole water scene where it's like super. Oh, dude, it looks yeah. so good. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, because like I even saw a post about Soul and how mm-hmm. in Toy Story one they haven't they didn't quite master like how to make a person's face, so they copied and pasted Andy's body and used it for the other kids, and then they never showed his mom. And right. then it just showed a single still from Soul of him walking in a crowd. And everybody's face has details and is like, even if they're blurred out, you can still make out a face. Right. And right. Soul's animation is beautiful. That movie's great. We can Dude, talk a little uh, that, bit about that. Yeah, we can. But oh, man, that, that one hit home. <laughs> that one I agree. really hit home. Between that and Wonder Woman 84, that was the better movie. Oh, my gosh. I rescind my wish. Because I renounce my wish. I renounce my wish. That's what it is, dude. Because honestly, I thought it was like great. I don't have to go to the theater because like, I don't want to catch COVID with these Same. people. You know, <laughs> I'd rather just I get to watch home. it from home. Yeah, and then I watched it, and I was like, well, <laughs> you know, I was like I this sucks. Claudia and I were watching it, and I was like, I was like, this is a Wonder Woman movie, right? Where is she? Like, she like is not in it for an hour and a half. Oh, but I think what it is is that they tried to do that. The best way I think I even told you, like I think the what they tried to do was Spider Man Two with it mm-hmm. was who's the woman behind Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. But what they did was Amazing Spider Man Two, where <laughs> it was it where they had this like goofy, weird uh, connection, you know, weird conflict with with. Um, Kristen Wiig's character, yeah, and then and everything. The tropey, and it was just like the tropey jealous character. Oh my gosh, I called it from the very, very beginning. Oh, and same. I was like, as soon as you see like, those glasses, oh, you're just like, yes. she's she's jealous of Diana. Like, yeah, and no, not only that, but when she's tripping over herself in the heels, oh, I was like, oh no, not this. <laughs> they did so many freaking cheetah like foreshadows like her shoes i'm pretty sure at another point she's like someone's wearing a jacket and i'm just like oh my yeah. god like and then she had like this mane like hair and i'm just like no there was a point <laughs> no, too also Stop. like when she becomes cheetah it she never specifies like i want to become a cheetah she just says she wants to be an apex predator Next predator and that's and what like, happened <laughs> it's like well <laughs> if you really break it down there are some other apex predators that are kind that are of more apex than a cheetah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so. I, there's like so many things baffling about that movie i've seen not only the comparison to amazing spider-man 2 but also spider-man 3 where yes. it's like they just threw in all these villains for no reason when you really could have just focused on pedro pascal as the villain mm-hmm. and he, it, i think that was a major major um uh missed opportunity because mm-hmm. you could have a, a fight of ideals which they did have in spider-man 2 like Raimi spider-man 2 that's what they did Mm-hmm. Even though yes, there was physical physical conflict and physical you know fighting, it was ultimately a battle of ideals. You know, it was the it was the giving up. You know, the thing you want the most to do the responsible thing, or you know, be selfish and only focus on what you want. You know, yeah, I've been seeing things too where it's like it kind of deflates the whole message about the first wonder woman where it's like a strong female like empowerment movie where she can do everything on her own but this whole movie she's just hung up on a guy and then mm-hmm. her and a girl fight because the girl's jealous of her yeah and everyone's like what this is not wonder <clears throat> woman like, what is this it, it felt so janky like it felt like it was a complete different other thing 
it didn't it, it felt it felt like it had no connection to the first it felt totally whatsoever. it felt totally off too because it's trying to be like goofy with all the 80s stuff and then that kind of disappears it, and it becomes serious I, I didn't mind that because for me it was like it felt like they were in the 80s so they're making it an 80s style mm-hmm. so for me i was like okay you know i'm like okay this is the kind of vibe we're going for all right you know like the first 30 minutes especially with her in the um uh fighting those bad guys in the um oh i, I, I didn't mind that was it. Was, sick it was goofy and fun that's what i didn't mind that i was like yeah i think it was just a, a misbalance because yeah. like it's a, it's a super um tonal shift mm-hmm. that i don't think was balanced like versus like a spider-man 2 where like that movie's goofy because it has sam raimi style but he also <laughs> yeah, knows but, like characters right he how, how to control it and everything mm-hmm and then Spider-Man 3, we all know what happened, but that's not... But the funny that's thing not is that I, you, you rewatch Spider-Man 3, and it's actually still enjoyable. You it just is. have to kind of overlook it. <laughs> the cringy stuff. Well, because it's like Raimi... I mean, he had a vision for Spider-Man 3, but like you can tell the studio was messing with it. Uh-huh. And even he's like come out many times and been like, I'm like uh, upset at how Spider-Man 3 turned out. Because he mm-hmm. had a plan for it. Yeah. And I think he had a plan for four as well, and they just scrapped it. Yeah, and then that's when they did Amazing Spider-Man two. Um, one no, and one, two. one and two, one and two. And then when we did, when they did one, and they retold the story, I was like, seriously, we already mm-hmm. know the story, <laughs> you know. And they what? try, and they keep trying to dance around the great power comes great responsibility. I was like, just say the line, just They're stop just dancing around it. it. <laughs> yes. What does Martin like, Sheen a, say? I don't even remember. It was such a dumb line. It's like more, it's like they added more words for. They, I think they did. I, honestly, the first one was such a blur. I I really don't like that first one. The first I don't one, remember I, anything from it. Do, I just remember the lizard thing, and I remember the the fight um, with um, Stanley in the library with him and his headphones, oh, yeah, that, and they're yeah. like fighting, and the table's about to hit him, and this Spider Man saves him, and they dump out the wall. I remember like, that. I, yeah. I remember that, but like other than that. I don't remember anything else. That movie's so bad. And then Jamie Foxx in the second one, who's blue. Actually, that I didn't mind that. Him, I didn't mind him it. being blue. wasn't was It was all right. What but, do you think about the electricity fixing his teeth? That was weird. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, I remember, I remember watching that movie like one of the. I only saw it once in theaters, and then once everyone, I saw the meme going around. And I was like. What are you talking about? I don't even remember that scene. And then once I brought it, got it on Blu-ray and I watched it and I was like, oh, wow, where was I? <laughs> like, I completely missed that. They like gave it a close up and everything. I know, but I missed it. Like, I don't know. But Someone don't... somewhere storyboarded that. Jeez. <laughs> Dude, this is, it's, I don't know. Anyways, we can move on and we can we can quickly yeah. talk about like our New Year's resolutions and then we can get into, um because we both made lists. And I purposely mm-hmm. did not want to know what your list was. Yes. Because I want to I want to see if we have similar movies. And then if we do, we can like jump in and be like, oh, it's on my list. Like, right. OK. Um, I think I posted on the podcast page like some New Year's resolutions I had for like the show. Like, obviously, for me, it's like stay healthy. Um, I actually invested in Audible and mm-hmm. took up your recommendations to start listening to the Star Wars tie in novels. So I'm currently halfway through the Ahsoka novel, mm-hmm. and it, it, it's good. There's a lot of filler at the beginning. I'm just like, here's the thing: there's a lot of filler, but once it's like Ahsoka by herself reflecting, that stuff's great. 
Oh, dude, it's great. Yeah, because the the not I think because it's it's interesting because a lot of that is set up for what's going to happen at the end. Like it, it's hard. It's it's so hard to to try to um to tell you to be like, dude, just wait. Because <laughs> well, I figured it was set up, and because yeah. it, I it, but I feel like yeah, the pacing is a little off too because it's sometimes at, it can be a little too much setup. Mm-hmm. in that respect and so that's why i was like all right where is this going you know and then when it actually hits dude it hits and especially because you you got it on audible i listened to it on audible and dude the voice acting with the sound effects and everything it's good oh man <laughs> it's just like it's on another level there's a couple times where they're doing either music or sound effects and they sound super cheesy because you know it's like stock sounds like mm-hmm. but like I love when I hear the Star Wars music come in and then I don't know there's parts of it where I love like I, and I think the thing that's not bad about it but like for me like I know what Ahsoka looks like so like as I'm listening to it I'm picturing Ahsoka and like stormtroopers but all these new characters I don't know what they look like right so I'm trying to like figure out what they look like mm-hmm. so, but then like they kind of all start blurring together when I'm listening to it a little bit a little um, bit, but, but I, I I think there are some audio books that do a better job. Do they have distinguishing like other people who's... like play? No, 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 no. Like... a lot. It's a, it's one person doing the voices for all these different people. Mm-hmm. But I think because it's her, Ashley, it's like right, it's just Ahsoka's voice the whole time, right? And it doesn't. It's harder. I, I feel like it's harder for her to distinguish the two. But when you get someone else, um. Uh, like when you when you get to Dark Disciple, I think that one's a good one next since you're in Ahsoka already and you could mm-hmm. do like a Clone Wars thing. That's like the lost script of um, George Lucas's daughters. Um, isn't Ventress in it? Yeah, Ventress is in that one. And the voice acting for that one is phenomenal. And with Did they every- get her for it? Or no? No, 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 no. no. Okay. It's a, I forgot who, who voices, um, who does the reading for that one, but they do a really good job. Right? I was gonna, so like, wow, it's like spot on. I was going to ask you, and I kind of have a feeling it's not, but mm. do they have Lars for the Thrawn books? No, I don't think so. That's a bummer. Like, I wish, like, I, that's what I was kind of looking forward to with the Thrawn trilogy is if he was narrating mm-hmm. it, I was going to be like, ooh, like, I'm going to be <laughs> so uncomfortable that whole time. Dude, it, it, the... If you, I'm excited I mean, for you, that you've trilogy. seen it, you've seen it on Rebels. It's pretty much verbatim of what you hear on Rebels. It's almost the same, like the guy that does the voice. Yeah, it's a different voice actor for sure. But I, I it's he keeps, someone he keeps else like who reads the, it. He keeps the the character mm-hmm. like true to the character. Exactly. Good. Let me see. Yeah, Ashley Eckstein reads the Ahsoka one. Thrawn is narrated by Mark Thompson. Dude, he does a great job. Okay. Does he, he does like differentiate like his voice mm-hmm. versus okay, cool. Dude, it, you you hear Thrawn from the first book, you hear him and you're like, ooh, like you get chills. <laughs> that's what I'm excited for. That's like that that trilogy. Was my first that was my first introduction to him was through the book. And then he popped up in Rebels. In Rebels? And that's what I was like, what? And it was like so close. Is that so how close. it was? What did the book come first before I think he appeared so, in Rebels? If I'm not mistaken. Hold on, let me look. When did the first book come out? Because he came in in what season three of Rebels, mm-hmm. and the second, and that was twenty sixteen, I think, was season yeah. three. Yeah, um, I'm like trying to look it up. Hold on, 
Because, yeah, the I think all, all the books recommendations you sent me, the Thrawn trilogy and Ahsoka were like the two I was looking forward to the most. Mm-hmm. And then I think you said the Aftermath trilogy was pretty good. After, Aftermath gets better after this first book. First okay. book is a little little rough. Uh, let's and then see. It was um, published in April 11th, 2017. So it probably came out like after? Maybe, ju- maybe like just after when they introduced him. Probably because he doesn't get a lot of backstory in Rebels. Mm-hmm. This novel, the first novel, is pretty much his backstory. Okay, and then cool. the second novel where I'm at right now gives more backstory into his time during the Clone Wars and all that stuff. Yeah, because that's what I'm like really looking forward to is that trilogy, mm-hmm. um, Dark Disciple, Ahsoka's good. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to look at a couple more. I don't know if there's any more that you would recommend, but because like a couple were popping up that sounded interesting. Um, see oh one i forgot to tell you about or maybe i didn't i just because when we recorded i was just you know just spitting out a bunch of stuff (laughs) about star wars yeah but there's one i believe it's called bloodline star wars bloodline it goes into the um the um uh oh yeah there it is yeah right here bloodline new republic it goes into um why princess leia was never um oh yeah queen you sent that one to me okay you you sent that one to me as a okay yeah but that one great job with that one i was really really impressed because it goes it deep dives into the whole politics right after um the fall of the empire and everything yeah I'm looking and to- so um when uh and everyone's wanting leia to be um basically brought back or to be put as queen over everything and now she has to hide the fact that vader was her father mm-hmm. <laughs> while while they're trying to um like set all this up and it's like it's crazy it's crazy to see because it goes into a whole like psychological like scarring it did on her knowing that her father did this these things to her you know mm-hmm. it's just, it's really really interesting yeah that's like i'm looking forward to all of those novels like the one thing mm-hmm. i'm kind of bummed about with audible is you only get one credit a month so it's kind of like one book <laughs> and i was even looking up because i was like maybe i'll buy the thrawn like the first book on audible and it was like 25 dollars yeah but it's like, it's kind of worth it because I mean if you if you aren't already subscribed it's like thirty five forty so oh really yeah so it's it's like if you're for you being a subscriber it's actually pretty cheap okay I did but not it's know actually, like it's not that bad I didn't know what the pricing of um like Audible how it worked versus like if you weren't a subscriber right yeah because I got the like, I got the you, you a, go ahead. I got the forty percent off deal it was like forty oh, okay. percent oh, off I your tried, first yeah, four you months me. Mm-hmm. so. Because um, they have other other Star Wars ones that like uh, Scar- uh, Star Wars um, Battlefront Two Infernal Squad. It's literally uh, the backstory to the single player campaign in Battlefront Two. Yeah, and it leads off like right right when the story takes place in Battlefront Two. It's yeah, I think you, I think you sent that one to me as well. For I think so. And then I told you about Catalyst, right? That one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and that that one like literally drops you off right at the beginning of Rogue One, so I like that. I like that one a lot. 
Yeah, I'm going to check out all of those. Cool. Like, Because that's a goal of mine mm-hmm. was to read more this year. But since I don't really have time to sit down with a book, mm-hmm. I'm like working so I can listen to books or like even driving when I run out of podcasts, I can I can start throwing books on. Yeah. Right. That's, that's what I do it's since I've been... Since I moved in and everything, I just popped on some audiobooks and just started listening while I'm cleaning up and putting stuff away. Yeah, because that's like some of my goals for this year. I don't know what some of yours are for the new year. Hopefully things I, start clearing up with the world. Yeah, dude, seriously. I miss I miss interacting with people <laughs> and just, you know, hanging out with different with everyone again. I just I just really miss that. Just I guess human interaction. Same. Um but I don't know. I really don't have much of a um, like resolution. It's just more of like set a goal for yourself and like what are you gonna do, mm-hmm. you know? And for me, it's just kind of like it, it, it's it's more of like take a chance. I mean, obviously, I am taking a chance on this new job, but it's just kind of like stick with it mm-hmm. and it not let it be just a temporary thing. It's like no, actually explore this realm and actually see do you like this you know because if i like it then i'll you know you know just not I guess I'll stay here but like stay in this realm you know because mm-hmm. you know in the video game industry it's the same as like the movie industry it's just a different medium you know honestly video games are probably more so working than film honestly yeah it's like long like longer COVID. yeah longer formats and um mm-hmm. more interactive so people are more invested in it than like a two-hour movie yeah. And so like in especially with the whole COVID situation right now, um, they shut down so starting to shut down production or pause productions in Los Angeles. Um yeah, they, they, they shut down all that the, out just as I was started moving up here. Yeah. I think they shut down all the T V productions at Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. And but like up like literally where I'm at is considered um Northern California and they're like the line is drawn like from right San there. Francisco down. Yeah. And so, like, from everyone since San, San Francisco and up, we're clear to keep doing production and everything. I was yeah. even, I was, I contacted my manager and they're like, she's like, no, we're so good. You know, mm-hmm. of course, just keep, you know, the masks and everything. But, like, as far as production-wise, we're, we're still good to go. And I was like, geez, I just, you know, it's just really fortunate for me to be, be in this situation to allow me to do something like this, you know? Mm-hmm. For sure, like it's good that they're still like able to do productions. Like I'm ripping the the Onyx hat right now. They're doing like everything they can to keep doing with their films. Mm-hmm. So it's just making sure everybody's safe, and hopefully we'll get to a point where we don't need the the precautions and everything can go back to functioning. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say yeah. back to normal because things do need to change. But yeah, need, and like, it was weird off. because I was just gonna say it's weird because when everything was fine and dandy and normal no no one really cared to change things or Mm -hmm. cared to really look at everything but once we saw we're like oh like once we were actually forced to look and see we're just like oh Mm -hmm. this is wrong there's a lot (laughs) of deep issues going on (laughs) yeah a lot of topics yeah so it's just it's really interesting to see that yeah hopefully i think things are looking to go in the right direction um i think so i think hopefully i mean depending on who you are but (laughs) if you're like the other people i don't know (laughs) get out of here i don't know this this, it's bonkers the world is just bonkers dude yeah 
Uh, but let's move on to the today's topic of the show, the hidden gems or underrated films. Again, I want to preface, like, I don't want it to seem like we're the only ones that know these films. Like, I'm going to mm-hmm. preface that, like, these films are known, but we, th- we like, you and me believe they are under underappreciated or not known enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how many films are on your list. I think I counted maybe 25, 26. I feel like I'm about the same. I feel like some of them are hit or miss with like how well or like if I'm even going to mention them. Right. Um, But I think I have some. Oh, speaking of, because I remember one of the movies I know is on your list Mm because we texted about it. I just picked up Weathering with You on Blu-ray because I found it at Target. Oh, and I really? need to I need to watch it. Oh, dude, mine's coming in on on Thursday, and it's a steel book. That's the only reason why I'm like, I gotta get this. I just I was like walking, and I just saw it, and I was like, oh, like you and me were just talking about that. I'm gonna pick <laughs> it up because I want to. Yeah. it looks awesome. Yeah, like I, I haven't seen it, so I can't really talk about Weathering with You. But other than I've heard nothing but great things about it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it sounds like a good premise. Yeah. Um, but we can get into our list because I don't know. Again, I don't know how many are on my list. I can do a quick count. And okay. I mean, some of these movies, I'm pretty sure I've talked about on the show many times. About 23. 23. I thought it was more because I, I kept editing it editing it and going back and i was like no that's that's everyone knows that one or like ah no I'm like that was a little too mainstream <laughs> or whatever yeah. and so I, I forgot how how many i had left and right now it's like oh 23 okay i have about 27 but i mean some of like some of them i might not even mention or i can mention them but we can probably debate if they're too okay. well known or okay um do you want to go first or you want me to go first uh, you can go first. Like I was about to say, like my films range all the way back to the twenties. I have, I think, one film oh, on here from geez. the twenties. Oh, jeez, dude! Because I do I think it's highly underrated. I didn't do. I didn't go that far back. I was just. I, I went back a little bit, maybe in the the maybe eighties. <laughs> I go even. Jeez, dude! I got some from the fifties and sixties. Because when, when you're like, oh yeah, like classic films, I was like, yeah, that's no problem. I, I was thinking you're like seventies or eighties. I didn't. Two thousands. <laughs> I didn't know you're gonna go all the way back to like the twenties. There's only one on my list from the twenties because it's it's and it's not like a Chaplin film or like no. I was just about to say, like, is it a Charlie? I do have a Chaplin film on here, but it's not. Yeah, it is an underrated film of his. But it's not. Hmm. Yeah, it's not one of his silent films. But oh, okay. Um, yeah, because I this film from the twenties is not like a Nosferatu or Chaplin. It's like definitely a underrated film mm-hmm. that, like, you know it if you know it. But it's definitely a film I think not a lot of people know about. Mm, okay. Um, but I'll have you go first with one of your films. Okay. The first one I have on here is Wolf Walkers. Um from apple tv plus it's on apple tv plus and it's an exclusive thing but um i guess it's one that's more readily uh viewable for people is called song of the sea same uh studio uh the studio is called studio canal really really good um the director is tom moore and dude this song of the sea i was not expecting at all it was Mm -hmm. actually when i was looking into it it was uh, nominated for a best uh, animation animated for uh, Academy Award the year it came out. I think it came out the same year as 
Big Hero Six, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, but yeah. but like, dude, it is so well done. In the it's every frame is a painting. Like the animation style is just be so beautiful. It's, um, it's like 2D animation, right? Like kind of like Studio yeah. Ghibli. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and exactly in the same um, realm as Studio Ghibli is that they're not afraid to hit you with like mature themes or, or even Pixar where it's just like, here's our story. It doesn't matter what age you are. It's just, here's the medium we just decided to do it in and you know here you are and it was it was so so good i love love that movie and then that's what really got me excited when i heard wolf walkers was coming out and i was like perfect and i already had apple tv plus because i was watching um uh the morning show and uh the servant you know and all that stuff and so um when i heard it was coming to apple tv plus i was like perfect i'm ready for it and so when i watched it i was like dude this movie's so good but i, I don't think nobody's gonna watch this movie i think yeah, a couple of our movies on our list, I believe, are going to be animated. And I think a reason a lot of people won't check out animated movies is because it is animated, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate because I don't I don't know the I don't get people's like preconceived notions of, oh, it's animated. It's for kids. Right. Like, no, it's there's like, oh, it's a cartoon. You know, it's not yeah, a cartoon. There's like stories where it works for live action, but there's stories that work way better for animated or like mm-hmm. you can do way more with animation because you probably can't get that effect in in camera or real life without right. doing CGI, which is right. animation. Mm-hmm. People who say that probably watch Transformers and that's a cartoon. <laughs> Honestly, the Michael Bay movies. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong, dude. Uh, yeah half his movies are just like commercials yeah pretty much i think i was talking with nick we were saying how transformers is just one long car commercial pretty much if you i i even though that movie's hot garbage i love 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 transformers extinction that's like the worst movie is that a mark Wahlberg? yeah the his uh mark Wahlberg's first transformers film oh i fell asleep in that movie i think three times Dude, I remember uh, we saw it for my friend's birthday and um, everyone was like, yeah, dude, I nodded off and we're still in the same scene. <laughs> I kept like... waking up and Stanley Tucci was still yelling, oh my God. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> what was... is happening? Dude, like near the end, it gets insane because I'm like, wow, they're really dragging this out. <laughs> you know? so... Don't the dinosaurs come in at the end? <sighs> like the last like five minutes. I remember that's the, the only reason I was like, I want to see it because of dinosaur transformers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I would know. I was there too. I was like, "Yeah, this is going to be so awesome!" And it's like <laughs> they're barely there, and I'm like, "Wow, okay. garbage!" Yeah, she's hot garbage. Hot garbage. Uh, I'm yeah, gonna take. But- I'm gonna do my first film. I'm gonna take a hard direction away from animation. Uh-huh. Uh, the first film I think that's criminally underrated, or maybe not criminally underrated. There's a couple more on my list that are that way, um, mm. but it's a film called Amores Peros from. The year 2000, I, I forgot to do what you were telling me, putting like where people can stream it. Yeah, yeah. I think you can stream it on Criterion Channel or like rent it from Amazon. Okay. It's Alejandro Giannuritu's first movie. Get out, really? Yeah. It just got a Criterion release. Oh, wow. Um, but it's it's classified as a crime thriller, dark comedy drama. Uh, just imagine <laughs> if Pulp Fiction was made as a Mexican film, so it's all in Spanish. Yeah, but it uses a um, 
from what I'm reading, it uses like a hyperlink cinema style oh, where God. it contains it's it's basically three stories that all intersect due to a car accident in Mexico City. And he goes through like different classisms of Mexico City and it all like relates to this car crash. So you have like a homeless man, you have a middle class guy and mm-hmm. like a model. It's like high class. That's interesting. And okay. it's like all leading up to a car crash. Or like I think the movie starts with the car crash and then it goes to each person's story and each story either will end with the car crash or it'll be like the after effects of the crash. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so good. But like not That's enough people have seen it. I think people just know him for Birdman and The Revenant and mm-hmm. just didn't go back to any of his other films. Because for me, that was that was my first exposure to him was Birdman. I had no we'll idea say, who he yeah. was before then. Yeah, I think I watched Birdman and then I went back to this film and was blown away by it. Mm. I need to, yeah, I need to check that one out. That's it's, crazy. It's amazing. It's I rewatched it. I think maybe two years ago. Still holds up. The composer wow. of the film did the music for The Last of Us. Really? Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Dude, I, think I so. love. Let me, let me double check that. I was gonna say, dude, he. Yeah, man, it's the same, the f- same guy. Love his music. And and so so simple. And I didn't so know good. This. The cinematographer is the same mm-hmm. cinematographer who did Brokeback Mountain as well as Scorsese's Silence and The Irishman. Interesting. Uh, wow, that's crazy. And Eight Mile. <laughs> actually, Eight Mile is actually pretty good. Eight Mile is actually <laughs> a pretty good looking movie. Yeah, it's actually a really good looking movie. Oh. And it's actually... This guy actually has a big filmography. I did not know that. He's worked with Alejandro for four of, I think, his first four films mm-hmm. up until Beautiful in 2010. Or Beautiful. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's in like Spanish. That takes place in Spain. That's another good movie. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but then he also did The Wolf of Wall Street, Argo, oh, Passengers, wow. um, Alexander. And those are probably his like biggest films but he's worked with like scorsese and alejandro um those are like his two big collaborators that's crazy that's awesome but that film is criminally underrated i believe yeah i, I didn't even hear of it until you told me right now so i got a awesome. i got a few foreign films on here i think okay i just didn't a, think just actually, a few i think i have i, I think the foreign ones just kind of come and go mm-hmm. <laughs> now that i'm looking at it on mine yeah, like the next one's a foreign one, but it's in English. But it's just it's a foreign film. What's really uh, yeah? It. What what's that one? Uh, Klaus. I think if I remember correctly, that one, that's a German one, maybe. I think it was a German. Yeah. Yeah, and it, I love that one because, like, it, it, I mean, just a trailer alone, you're like, oh, it's just, it's Santa Claus. All right, whatever. You, like, how you know how good is this movie? You know, because it got nominated for um, best animated last year. You know. And actually watching it, it's really good. It's really, really good. And J.K. Simmons is Klaus. And he's... Oh, really? Yeah, dude. His voice is, like, perfect for that character. It's always been a movie I've wanted to check out. But, like, I always get busy and never... I can't recommend it enough. Like, that movie is one... That one's such a feel-good movie that, like, if you need a picker-upper, that's the movie to watch, honestly. And it's not even about Klaus. It's about this like snobby mailman whose father is the owner of like this uh, high end post postal company. And we're like, well, you know what? We're gonna send you right here where no one wants to be. 
mm-hmm. where it, like no one sends letters. It's like if you can turn it around, we'll see, we'll I'll take you back and you can live pretty much the life of luxury. Mm-hmm. And so his whole goal is like, okay, how do I get back home? Because you know he's like this pompous like snob of a person, and now he's forced to work in this like impossible situation, you know, mm-hmm. and. It's a little, in a way, it's a little bit cliche because you could kind of see it happening. But the way they do it, um, uh, the way they execute it and the way they do it is actually really good. Mm-hmm. Really, really good. And I, I don't know. I personally really, really like it. It was such a breath of fresh air. And I was like, wow, okay. That actually there took a little bit more turns than I expected. So I really enjoyed that one a lot. I think it got revitalized this year because, like, it, just because of Christmas. Like, I feel like it's right. gonna keep coming back because of that. So, mm-hmm. because of, because of Christmas, but it's it's one where you, you it doesn't even have to be a Christmas um, movie per se. But I mean, I guess yes, because of you know, it just gets popped on at Christmas, yeah, right. But like, even with outside of Christmas, it's, it's a really good heartfelt movie that if you need to pick me up, that's the movie to watch. That's good. I got um. Yeah, because there's always times where you need a, a pick me up. I think I have a few on my list actually that are. Oh, I need to add one. Sorry, sorry. There's one I completely forgot to add, and I was like, I need to add it. Uh-huh. Um, because it's I might coincide it with another one on my list because they kind of have the same theme, and they're mm-hmm. also both pick me up movies like Klaus. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I'm gonna go in a hard direction away from a, a pick me up movie. <laughs> I have like a, a lot of weird movies on my list. This movie uh-huh. I've talked about many times on my podcast, mm-hmm. um, but I also still think it's underrated. Again, like a lot of people know it. If you know it, like if you went to film school or like you're in the film scene, you know this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and that movie is called House, or as it's called in Japanese, Houseu from mm-hmm. 1977. Yes, I remember seeing that one. <laughs> have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen it. I remember we had to watch it in class one time. Oh, you're so lucky. We didn't dude, watch it, was, it in my school. Oh, dude, it was crazy. I was just like, I what is going on? My own. It is. I think it is so underrated. And I think it is one of those films anybody and everybody needs to experience at least once because you will never see anything like it in your life. It is one that, of the craziest movies you could ever for watch. Sure, true. Yeah. It is such a simple plot, but so much shit <laughs> happens in that movie. And even shit like it it doesn't even make sense anymore but once you get to certain points you're like this makes sense yeah like, at this point in the movie this makes sense <laughs> so, sure might as well it there's a well part of sense. the movie where a guy turns into a pile of bananas and you're like yeah that sounds about right like <laughs> that's what i would expect <laughs> so well, logically because of this <laughs> i think the cri- like... i think the criterion box that discovers or i think it describes it as an episode of scooby-doo meets an acid trip yeah meets like <laughs> i think that's pretty accurate meets meets like anime oh my gosh <laughs> yeah it is one of the most bonkers movies i've ever watched and i still watch it and i still like find new shit in it mm-hmm. that i wouldn't have discovered before i haven't seen it in a while but i need it i now that you bring it up i'm like dang i need to oh, and also that again. they compared it to like evil dead like meets all that as well oh, dude totally it's it has you can definitely see Evil Dead in there. Because you need to watch it as a not a horror film. It is classified as a horror film, but it is straight up like a comedy horror. Right. Emphasis well, more like, on the like comedy. Evil Dead. Like Evil Dead, yes, it's 
horror, but there are a lot of com- comedic, goofy, <laughs> you know. It's essentially a movie where they threw ideas at the wall and everything stuck. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty yeah. much. And it's like, that's the thing that blows my mind about it is it's a film where they're like, anything can work in it. Yeah. It doesn't have to make sense. It works. Oh my gosh. Everyone needs to watch it. <laughs> I, yes. <laughs> I should have worn the shirt. I have the shirt of the Criterion cover with like just the cat's face, like the orange face. Oh my gosh. Really? I have it as a shirt. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and it is beautiful. That's hilarious. Everyone needs to watch it. <laughs> oh, man. All right. I think it's my turn. <laughs> hey, let's go to your turn. Jeez, man. Yeah, you're right. Because mine are all kind of <laughs> somewhat, no- somewhat normal. Are you saying Actually, I'm weird? One- <laughs> no. Um, next one up is called Mirai. Um, M-I-R-A-I. Is that the one with um, um, Stephen Yun? Right? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I think that's the right one. Um, yeah, that one, it's on Netflix. Um, you cannot, again, I was not expecting it to be good or like anything special. I was just kind of like, oh, well, we'll see. Dude, it's so good. It's like a complete coming of age movie where this kid, I don't know, to me, he's a spoiled brat, but like this kid, <laughs> he's, um, he, um, he f- discovers this like mystical forest and he's b- basically going into like jumping around in time and space and essentially learning how to become a better big brother for his uh, newborn sister, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's really good. I don't, I don't want to describe it past that because what it all entails is so beautiful and so well done that you just it's like one of those ones like here's the premise now go watch it you know? it came out uh last year right or this year oh, i have to look hold on and i think i'm saying like last year as in 2019 and this year is 2020 even though it's we're in 2021 at this point no it came out 2018 really came out 2018 i'm looking at the thing right here I- it looks like a it, it's an it's a anime for sure uh-huh um, it's a Mamoru Hosoda uh, film, Studio uh, Chitsu. Okay. It's a production company. Did it get picked up by A24? Right? Am I, am I, not, am I crazy? I, I don't think so. I think you are crazy. I mean, with my list of movies. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I didn't see A24 on there at all. So I don't think so. But okay. it's it's really funny, it's really heartwarming. But it's really, um, it's one of those ones where you're like, wow, that really hit me, like, in a way that I wasn't expecting it to, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that one was good. All right. And you said that was on um, Netflix. Netflix. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I should have done that. I, I failed you. I forgot <laughs> to put, like, where you can stream these movies. I have failed you, Anakin. <laughs> I have failed you. <laughs> I assumed, like, all these movies you could, like, rent off of Amazon. Like, like push comes to shove. If you can't find it anywhere, it's probably on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, because the next one I have is again another old one. I'm not going to talk too much about it because I have talked about it quite a bit on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in my top five all time favorite movies. I remember seeing it in high school, and it had a huge effect on my high school film. 
um, and that's Night of the Hunter from Ooh. 1955 by Charles Lawton. Mm-hmm. This film is so good. It is. Uh, it was one of those films when it came out. <clears throat> everyone hated it. Everyone really? did. Everyone did not get it. Everyone thought it was too dark. Um, everyone said that was, and that's the reason Charles Lawton never directed a film after this is because everyone hated this film so much that it discouraged him from like directing. Are you serious? Yeah, and it's the same shit that happened to uh, Jack Black after the Tenacious D movie. Like mm-hmm. no one saw it. Everyone like panned it, and it that was the only script he's ever written. And because of that, he's like, I don't feel comfortable writing a script again. Oh, even wow. though that film's underrated too. It's not on my list, but that one is Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny is one of the <laughs> best comedies ever. Oh my gosh. It's like that oh. and Walk Hard are probably my two favorite underrated comedies. But Night of the Hunter, Destiny? Pick a Destiny, yeah. That's hilarious. I need to look at that. You need uh-huh. to watch that film. It's so funny. But Night of the Hunter, I've talked about it many times on this show. Um it wasn't until later that people started re- reevaluating it because Charles Lawton used old school film tech, like not technology, old school filming techniques. Mm-hmm. Like he went back to German expressionist. He used a lot of like very stylized shots, very um, harsh black and white. Um, it's not necessarily a horror film, but uh, Robert Mitchum portrays one of the scariest villains on screen. Mm hmm. Um, like the opening shot of him is in like this theater or a church and he's the only face illuminated. Everyone else's faces are pitch black. Like you don't even see features. That's interesting. It's just focusing on him. Even when they're in a house, he uses like a technique where the house has a jagged like roof. Like instead Uh of just showing the room, he shows like the outline of the room and it's like silhouetted, like shadow, like super harsh shadows. Uh It's like a beautiful looking movie. A beautifully haunting looking movie like there's also a shot of a woman who got drowned in the car to like hide her body and like her hair is flowing in the water along with like the seaweed and it's just like creepy but like beautiful at the same time yeah yeah um it's one of the best movies i've ever seen one of my favorites it heavily influenced my high school film because i actually watched this film in high school mm. and it made me like take a second look at filmmaking mm-hmm. um that's the effect it had on me. But again, That's crazy. I think I recommended it to Nick. And it's one of those films where it's like the acting is definitely 1950s over the top, like stage acting. Mm-hmm. But I was like, if you look past that, the filming and like the film techniques are amazing. It's kind of okay. like Citizen Kane where it's like the filming techniques are great, but the acting you could probably like be annoyed by. A little bit, yeah. I Dude, think that Citizen, I think everyone, I think Citizen Kane in itself is overrated because everyone's oh, like, it oh, it's Citizen Kane. It's but like, if you really look at it, you're like, dude, we could, like, we could have a whole list of overrated movies too. <laughs> we could make this <laughs> a can. series of like overrated movies, underrated, yeah, totally. Well, that's what we're doing right now. You kind of, <laughs> um, but no, like Citizen Kane, I personally think Night of the Hunter has better techniques and had more of an effect on me versus citizen kane because like again when i watch this kane i'm like oh yeah this is cool like this is awesome for the time like him doing all these things also he was 21 Mm -hmm. but like night of the hunter i'm like damn like this shit is so good yeah and like it's even like it's techniques i would incorporate today like or i would like to incorporate right 
everyone go check Dang. it out. I think I'll it's. I will definitely I check that one out. I think it's on Amazon Prime. For a while, it was on there. Okay, I'll check it out then. Uh, what's your next one? Um, next one. I, I honestly, I broke it down to like animated drama, comedy, action. I did not. <laughs> ones, I did not break mine up. I just have them like just in the list. Uh, next one up. I honestly, I think this one's completely underrated. Uh, Adventures of Tintin from Steven Spielberg. Because everyone, because everyone like goes like, oh, Ready Player One, Jurassic Park, Jaws, you know, Indiana uh, Jones, Indiana Jones. No one ever talks about Adventures of Tintin. The technology that they went into to make this movie is mind blowing, and for it to look that good, you know. Again, going back to the Indiana Jones thing, like this is the best Indiana Jones we're probably going to get in modern day, directed by Steven Spielberg. There's like a on my list. I have a couple films like that where it's like a well-known director, but mm-hmm. like they have a really great film that not a lot of people talk about, or like because right. there are other films they talk about more so than than a particular one. Right. I feel like this one it was kind of chalked up as like, oh, it's a you know back to oh, it's a cartoon, it's animated, you know, it's whatever. But I think because it's animated, it was free to do so many things because there's this one like shot i mean i'm pretty sure everyone's seen it in the trailers or in a, in a video breakdown somewhere of like uh, the oneer that spielberg does where tintin's hanging on to the bike and as he's on a clothesline like every piece of the bike gets keeps breaking off you mm-hmm. know and he's just it's like the handlebars at the end and he's just hanging on to it but like all this was like technically done on the stage is just motion capture, you know. Did, um, so, did Zemeckis have anything to do with the film? Because it kind of looked like um, Polar Express, like that kind of yeah, CG. It was no, actually, no. It was Peter Jackson. It was oh, Peter really? Jackson. Okay. Uh, I could I could be wrong. I think maybe um, maybe Zemeckis had a hand in it, but from my because there was supposed to be a trilogy because it was supposed to be Spielberg kicked it off. Peter Jackson does a sequel and then Spielberg will come back and do the third one. Mm-hmm. That was what was supposed to happen, but um, and it like didn't do that well in the box office. I think it did. Okay. Well, not enough to like warrant a sequel. Yeah. Well, no, cause like it, they were in pre-production of it. And then for whatever reason, it, it just got scrapped. It, it, yeah. It just got scrapped and held up because Indiana everyone had five needs to happen. Yeah, because all these other projects were like, oh, no, we need to go now. We need to go now. So it just kind of got like pushed off, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you have Jamie Bell from um, uh, 1917, for those who watched that. You have Andy Circus on there, who's like the king of motion capture. He's Captain Haddock. Jamie Bell was um, in 1917? Mm-hmm. He plays Tintin and voices him. I completely have- forgot he's in 1917. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, I'm sorry, 1917. Yeah, he's the the kid. Well, I mean, I guess spoilers now. The kid who dies. That's Jamie Bell. That's not Jamie Bell. This is this. Jamie Bell's from oh, Fantastic Four. Jamie Your Bell face. has a like has a unique face. You have a unique face. Thank you. I look like Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my name is Eminem. You go on Eminem. <laughs> have you seen that video? Yes. <laughs> Are you sure? I'm trying to. Th- I don't think I it's thought Jamie. he was. Because Jamie Bell oh, plays yeah. the thing in the new Fantastic Four. Yeah, you're right. But he said it says voice. 
He's in Snowpiercer and King Kong and Rocket thing? Man. Okay, if he plays his voice, who does the motion capture for him? He probably I'm pretty there. sure the dude from 1917 did his uh, his voice in motion capture. Because the kid that dies in 1917, I think, is the kid from Game of Thrones. I think. Hold on, looking it up right now. My mind is completely blown. Wow. He's he's in Flags of Our Fathers, which is a war movie. Yeah. Um, Gene or Dean Charles Chapman. That kid. Oh yeah, Game of Thrones. Okay, I see. He's like um, Joffrey's little brother, right? I think so. I don't know. I don't watch Game of Thrones. Oh, <laughs> I did, unfortunately. Dude, that... at least like the last couple of seasons. Unfortunately, first yeah. four to five seasons were great. I don't know. I I, I started. I tried to go season one and like all that stuff, and I I got completely lost. I'm like, I don't even know who's related to who or. Yeah, that why happens. I, why, yeah. I'm like, why I even care? Tell me why I was watching Game of Thrones and I got about two or three seasons in and someone's like, you need to watch it with subtitles because then you'll actually like understand what's going on. And I went, you tell me this now. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, dude. Wow, that's... Oh, mine's blown. Never mind then. <laughs> but, he's not in 1917. No, he's not in 1917. But like, um, you have all these like well-named actors. You have um, Daniel Craig in there as well. Nick Frost, Simon Pegg, you know, Toby Jones. So it's really interesting to see Toby Jones. Dude, Toby Jones is you do talk he's about the, he's, unra- he's, unrated actors. He is so good. He's so good, but he's so weird looking. Yeah, but, but he's, he's good. just like he's so good, and I'm just like, and because half these half the uh, voice acting or whatever, I'm like, oh my gosh, that was Toby Jones. You know, like Dobby. I didn't even know Dobby mm-hmm. was Toby Jones. Not until I had to look him up one time. I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. But it was yeah. That I think Adventures of Tintin was really, really good. If you like going back on topic, if you really like Indiana Jones, you're gonna really like that movie. There's a lot of like animated films that take inspiration from Indiana Jones. Like oh, we yeah. were like we were talking Missing Link is exactly like an Indiana Jones story. Mm-hmm. Um I think my next film on my list will kind of piggyback off of yours, where it's like yours was a Spielberg film that not a lot of people have seen or have watched enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to flip script and go to a Coen Brothers film that I think is super underrated called Inside oh. Lewin Davis. Okay, I've heard of it. I've seen it. It's so good. It I, thought you were gonna, I thought you were going to say, oh, brother, where art thou? I was like, that's yes, also, no one's, that would be another was, one, honestly. Yeah, because I was going to say no one talks about that one. I That was one of the first Coen Brothers movies I saw, actually, because my, oh, wow. my parents rave about that movie. And it's really? funny, but I personally like Inside Lewin Davis. Yeah, that one's more. really that one's really good. That's I where I my discovered recommended that one to me. That's where I discovered Oscar Isaac. I completely mm-hmm. forgot Adam Driver has a hilarious scene in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Outer Space. It's <laughs> <laughs> one of the funniest songs in that movie. Yeah. But it's such a good movie. It's such like a there's like essentially no plot to the film except for he's trying to find a cat and also sell his album. Yeah. That's the whole movie. It's, it's, it's a very unique movie because, because it, it there, there's there's some movies that it's like this one that is very like a day in the life, you know. That's, and that's what this one is, it, and it's very almost mundane. Where if you're not like mentally prepared to like, oh, okay, this is the type of movie it is, it it will lose you. It's you like know? um a Linklater style, but yeah, because like Linklater does a lot of that with like Slacker or. The before mm-hmm. trilogy or dazed and confused where it's like a day like all takes place in a day this mm-hmm. one i don't 
think takes place in it takes place in like maybe a weekend i believe or a week shoot it's been a while it's essentially i think i think it's a weekend yeah it's essentially like uh, it's not a total comparison but like mandalorian it's just a series of him doing tasks and doing things (laughs) to accomplish his goal right and it's, it's like, oh, you need to do the. It's like, oh, you want, you want to sell your album? Okay, go get me a cat. Okay, where do I find this cat? Well, you go go talk to this dude, and he will lead you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and it just kind of goes from there. You know, and it's but it's so good. Like the humor is, it's very dry, but it's also mm-hmm. very like. Well, it's very dry Cohen brother humor. So it's it, almost it, like Hail Caesar, where or even me, like Big Lebowski, where it's like yeah. Um, but it's so good. Um, mm-hmm. this is actually where I discovered Oscar Isaac was this movie. For me, it was. It, I'm gonna get to it on my list um, where I discovered Oscar Isaac, but yeah, I he's really, really good. It's probably one of his best roles. Like everybody in this film is top notch, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, Carrie Mulligan's in it; she's great. The music for the oh, film is right. amazing. Oh, dude, yeah. They had well, um, like, Marcus Mumford I, from Mumford and Sons. Um, yeah, yeah. Because what came out first, Oh Brother Art Thou, or this movie? Oh Brother Art Thou. Okay. That came out in like 2000. Right. Oh, that's right. Because that's when they did the first like Technicolor, like mm. color grading thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like that digital color grading. That, that movie's super yellow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That movie's Jeez. pretty funny. Yeah. I don't know. Because this is like a perfect blend of like a drama and a comedy. Plus mm-hmm. the music and the soundtrack is so top notch. Yeah. You can't go wrong with that movie. You no. You will be thoroughly enjoyed. There yeah. are people who are like, oh, it's too slow or like, but like, again, it's like, I don't think they were expecting. I feel like they went into it expecting like a Fargo or mm-hmm. a Big Lebowski. But honestly, I'd rather throw on Inside Lewin Davis than Fargo. Right. I like the Fargo yeah, TV Far- show better than the movie. I, I, I really like Fargo, the movie, but it's just like, I need to be in the right mood for it because it's not like, it's not like one react. You can, oh yeah, let me pop this, pop this on. Honestly, you know? I think Fargo's another overrated movie. I personally think yes and no. I think it's a little like if you talk about Coen Brothers, it'll either be Fargo or Big Lebowski. Mm-hmm. Those are the two. Mm-hmm. And I think Big Lebowski's too good to. Um, I think I was too good. It's like he went over the line. <laughs> like it's just Big Lebowski's good. Like I think Big Lebowski's like too too quotable to be overrated. But I think maybe Fargo falls on that overrated line. A little bit I more. think it falls like, uh, yeah, if I had to choose between those two, like I would definitely say Fargo over Lebowski. Mm-hmm. Lebowski. Yeah. It's too quotable. And yeah. I mean, but, but I feel like the argument can be made for some scenes in Fargo. Not, yeah. it's definitely not as quotable as Lebowski, Mm-mm. but yeah, again, I I'd rather like of any Coen brothers movie. It's probably inside Lewin Davis. I'm throwing on oh, yeah, or um, sure. no country for old men. Dude, no country for, for different reasons. So good is so so. I good. just thought of I just thought of an episode we could do, what? just because of um we could do an episode where we take all these directors and we could mm-hmm. discuss. We could even either discuss or debate what their best movie is <laughs> in their Dude, whole filmography because we could disagree a, on something. That's a three hour. <laughs> there we go. Hour, that's a three hour one. <laughs> There's an episode that'll be happening season three. Oh jeez, season finale again? <laughs> I mean, honestly, let Tim know if you want to hear that. <laughs> what I'm trying to do for the season, spoiler alert for season three, is I was factoring in how many episodes there will be, 
but I might have to do four special episodes to get mm-hmm. the season finale to be episode 100. Oh, dude, then uh, then we can do that as our as our specials. It's yeah. like the four different four different directors on what we think um, are. Yeah, we could probably do that. Yeah, we could probably do that. Or it might just we'll figure it out. We'll Whatever. Figure it out. We'll, we'll, we'll talk. Have my agent call your agent. Yeah, we'll yeah, that's what we'll do. We'll work. <laughs> it's all actually Claudia is not here right now. <laughs> <laughs> actually, my cats are asleep. Can I take a message? <laughs> okay. Um, let's move on to your next movie. Okay, getting out of animation. Uh, next oh, one. You you have any more animated movies? The next one up is going to be your name. Okay, because I'll then I'll say that's my because that's my next one. Okay, then we'll talk about when we go back to you then. So oh, no, we can talk one. about it oh, now. I was oh, gonna okay. say we Whatever. can talk about it now because it's the same thing, and then we oh, can okay. go. Okay. Um. So yeah, your name that one because again that one I heard so many great things about, but I haven't. I didn't really get to experience it until like fairly recently, and then after I watched it, I was like, dude, it didn't. Oh man, uh, when they're on the hill, that's all I have to say. Yep. When he's when he's writing when he's writing uh uh the message on on her hand mm-hmm. or she is on on his hand and i was like oh <laughs> like it just i was not expecting it to like gut punch you that, your that your hard. name is such a gut punch movie and multiple parts and mm-hmm. that's a movie after i watched it i was watching video essays on it and like all the little details they put in that you might not necessarily pick up while you're just watching the story happen Mm-hmm. But like as soon as you like hear or like either you rewatch it or you see these video essays, you're just like, oh my god! Like it just adds another yeah, a layer whole to other that level. Yeah, like that one is very deep and detailed, and because on surface level it could just look like, oh yeah, no, okay, that was a pretty good movie. But like if you really, really look, dive like, into de- it, dive into it, into especially watch these essays these video essays about it and you get to really experience the, um, the, um, whatchamacallit, the, um, uh, nuances of the story and of the direction of the animation, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, it's so, so good. Uh, like that one was one that I was not expecting to fully like get that gut punch feel. I think I remember, it's also a it's a long movie too, if I'm not mistaken. It's like it's over like two, two. It's like two fifteen, I think. It's like almost it's two and a half. I movie. think. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember because like, I was going to see Weathering with you in theaters, and then my friend um, she told me she was like, "Oh no, you, you have to go see um, uh, your name because you see characters in there, or like it's it's a little bit like a like a like same like, universe kind of thing. Yeah, same universe. They just cross paths at one point and i was like what and i was like dang it now i have to go watch your name <laughs> so, I, so i watched your name and then now with you know weathering with you coming coming in the mail it will i'm gonna watch that next and so i can have that moment of oh my gosh there they are mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm excited to check out weathering with you now that i also didn't know it was it takes place in the same universe so i'm excited mm-hmm. about that now yeah but yeah, your name, it's, that's like another thing too, where it's like, it's 2D animation hand drawn. So it's like mm-hmm. all these details were intentionally put Dude, in and like, oh my the gosh, detail. the, the shot, the opening shot of, uh, oh my gosh, what's the girl's name? I can't remember her name right now. Um, I got you in your, in your name. I can't remember. I'm drawing a huge blank right now. I got you. Hold on. 
<laughs> is it Taki or Mitsusha? Mitsua? Mits- yeah, I think that's yeah, her Mitsua. name. Mitsua. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mitsua. Yeah, uh, Mitsua. When when she first wakes, when uh, Taki wakes up in Mitsua's body for the first time. Yes, yes, yes. The, the animation in that, I was like, dude, I can see dust. <laughs> I was like, what? I'm like, what is that? Like mm-hmm. the... The animation and the the drawing and just the quality of the animation like every frame talk about every frame as a painting like honestly like that one is so gorgeous you know there's like a bunch of stills from that movie where i would love to have that as that as a poster mm-hmm. without like any words like i know what it's from but like i would just love to see like that imagery right just on a wall i would i would love that so good so good that's like I think a lot of people talked about it when it came out, but it's kind of just like disappeared. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was it was critically acclaimed and everything, and then it just kind of like it had its moment and then went away. Just like um, I think I'm going to mention two movies next that kind of are in the same vein, where they were both critically acclaimed. Also came out the same year as Your Name, mm-hmm. um, and those two movies would be Hell or High Water and Nocturnal Animals. I believe Nocturnal Animals was that the one with um, Amy um, Adams? Yep, Amy Adams, Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson. That's right. Okay, then yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Forgot Army Hammer's in it, I guess. What was that one with um, Dakota uh, uh, Dakota Fanning's sister? Oh, Neon Demon. That also came out the same year. Oh, okay, okay. I just got I was, confused. I was thinking about that movie, but I have only seen that movie once, and I remember, I remember when I saw it in theaters, myself included, kind of laughed at the ending. <laughs> yeah, because I remember seeing it at the uh, at theaters too. It was across the street, and I was like, "Oh, okay, it comes out this this weekend. I'll watch it." And after, and when I went to go see it, and I was like, "Okay," <laughs> you know, it's just like All Nocturnal right. Animals is a different thing. Same with um, Hell or High Water, like. Even that year, Hell, Hell or High, High Water, Water is like the like modern Western. It's so good. It's as it's probably the best modern Western since No Country for Old Men. Mm-hmm. Like because they're very similar in kind of style. Mm-hmm. No Country for Old Men's a little more like serious. Mm-hmm. But I remember even the year Hell or High Water came out, it was critically acclaimed. No one saw it. Yeah, it was the best. I, I remember even I think I said that year. It's the best movie no one is going to see the, or has seen. Right, I I completely agree. I think that that movie is so like again because I because I know how critically acclaimed it was and getting all these awards and acting awards from Ben Foster and, and every you know everyone everybody in that film everyone got got an Oscar nod and I was like okay we gotta check this out and I remember renting it and I was like wow this is really good you get but you get like you said this is the best movie no one's gonna see. And I'm pretty sure it kind of disappeared because it's from Taylor Sheridan and it's the middle part of his like Frontier trilogy, mm-hmm. like his unofficial Frontier trilogy, which includes Sicario, which everybody talks about. Oh, I love Sicario. And maybe yeah. another film that could have been included, Wind River, which probably I didn't see that one. No, it's it's good. Not as good as Hell or High Water. OK, Um, but like Hell or High Water, like pulls you in immediately with that first heist. Oh, where, dude. I'm pretty sure they robbed the bank and it's not even open yet. <laughs> yeah. The guy's like, I got to open first. Yeah. 
Dude, the movie's so good. But like I love I love how with Hell or High Water that even though yes, it's really serious, it, it has the opportunity and it takes advantage of like little like glimmer of humor of mm-hmm. like situational humor. It's not like, oh, let's stop everything and crack a joke. It's just like the humor of the situation. Right. You know? And it's like that is a film. I remember seeing it. I was like, you can take this exact same plot. It's modern time. You can throw it back to the 1800s and it would fit and perfectly in as a Western. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even like the very end is classic Western like standoff, oh. like yeah. between the lawmen who he, and that's the best part about this movie is you question more at like morals. Like the lawman is more deranged than the robber. Right. The robber is like doing it like as a Robin Hood. Like he's trying to do it for his family. Right. Versus like the lawman who's kind of like gone off the deep end a little bit a little bit like he, yeah mainly well, out for they even because they even um they even address it that he he is um uh like he's killed one too many times mm-hmm. to to be redeemed almost in a and they in keep telling him to retire like like mm-hmm. you need to just stop right but it, it's the the bloodlust is what keeps him going and keeps him like that, and I, I I love that because isn't Jeff Bridges? Isn't that Jeff Bridges? It's Jeff Bridges, yeah, yeah. So he's dude, it's so good. Mm-hmm. He's so good. I love him. Um, his partner in the movie too played. Oh, like, I remember him from American Crime, but I don't remember Gil Birmingham. Yes, you don't yeah. remember him from Twilight. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> he's Taylor Lautner's Sir. dad. <laughs> dude, I don't remember Twilight whatsoever. <laughs> I think I only know it because I've seen them recently. <laughs> Not recently, as in like I've seen them like months ago, but they're kind of still fresh in my mind. <laughs> the pain is still fresh. I mean, yeah, they're they were enjoyable for like making fun of. Yeah. Oh man. But I those two are definitely especially and also Nocturnal Animals, which is sort of a western. It's like kind it's, of? it's it's Amy like Amy Adams is kind of like not as good in the movie versus when she was in Arrival because she's it's essentially her reading. Oh my gosh, a, talking a about novel. overrated movies. I can't stand Arrival. Ooh, really? Yeah. I've seen it we once had... and I liked it, but I've never had the desire to go rewatch it. The funny thing is, I think what what ruined it for me was that we had to dis- dissect the script in class. And so all of us reading it and I think we got to like, they told us oh, only get up to page like, 15 or something like that right but even up to page 15 all of us were like so they're like so she just got a vision of her future right or of her you know and they're like well how can you tell we're like it's obvious you know and then when and then when the movie came out and everyone's like oh my gosh i didn't see that coming i'm like you didn't see that coming <laughs> like what are you talking about what were you watching <laughs> Because like all of us were like this movie, this, like this script is so dumb, like, you know. And we were like, this is like I don't know, maybe it's just like us being film students, you know, just pack a bunch of film students in a room. We think we know it all, but like I don't know, a bunch. All of us were like, this this script is so dumb. Like all of us really didn't like it. And then when it was getting all this praise, we're like, seriously? <laughs> like, I mean, visually, yeah, it's beautiful, but like, it's okay, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I don't know. But that's what um because I I didn't like it as much as Nocturnal Animals, which is mm-hmm. her other movie. Mm-hmm. It's because she's just reading a book that Jake Gyllenhaal sends her, and her reading it is the whole movie. Like that's what is visualized is like the novel, 
which is it's crazy because it goes from her reading to the novel like played out to Mm -hmm. flashbacks of her in the relationship with him and then it also cuts to after she reads it and like the future Mm -hmm. Um, but it's like so many timelines and then the novel itself is just so like it's set as a western it's interesting like a western revenge film and aaron taylor johnson plays one of the best villains Mm -hmm. he's like one of those villains that just gets under your skin and it's just like this like deranged essentially he like comes up on them in a road rage sort of like scenario oh geez and he's just like so calm but like so like down south like western texas like creepy yeah especially because it's like a road that no one else is on so it's just like you and him yeah but he's that's he like is so dirty in the movie that like i thought it was his best performance and i was so upset that like michael shannon's in the film and he's great too Mm -hmm. but it was one of those things where i was like so upset michael shannon got nominated over him Mm -hmm. for the same movie because mm-hmm. I was like, man, Taylor Johnson's so much better than you in this film. And I love <laughs> you, Michael Shannon. Please do not bite my nose. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That dude is crazy. Jeez. Him too. Are, he's such a great actor, too. He is. But he's crazy. <laughs> um, but those, I just combined those two films because I don't know how much time we're at. Are we at two hours? Or an hour and 19? We're almost at an hour and a half. Hour and a half, yeah. Um, you want to keep going? <laughs> we, yeah, we can keep going because I only I I have plenty of films left on my list. Same. <laughs> All right, next you uh, out. We can knock out like a couple. A couple? Okay. I'll uh, three. How about three? Okay. Uh, have Ed Wood from Tim Burton, uh, Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind from Michael uh, Gondry, and Searching for Bobby Fisher. Um, yeah, from Stephen uh, Zalian. Zalian? Huh? Is that with Toby? Toby. Is that the Toby movie? Toby Maguire? No, 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 no. That one's Pawn Sacrifice. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, search, searching for Bobby Fisher. That one's a 90s uh, film. I That one I saw when I was in um, I was in uh, community college at the time in my film, film course. And they put it on. And I was like, oh, this movie looks dumb. But like, because like it starts off really slow. And you don't know what you're getting yourself into. But when you actually watch it and see it, dude, it's so good. It's such a good movie. And especially now because everyone's in this like weird chess craze because of of, Gambit. Yes. Everyone's in this weird chess craze that it's actually on Netflix. So if you really like um, chess stuff or want to get into it a little bit more, watch uh, Searching for Bobby Fischer. It has, um, oh my gosh, Lawrence Fishburne and what's his name? Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name. Um, Schindler's List, the guy who was actually taking notes on the list. What's his name? Uh, Ray Fines. No, no, no. Uh, who was with Liam Neeson? Oh, Ben Kingsley. Ben Kingsley. Ben Kingsley's in that movie, and he was so good. Really, wrote, really good. Uh, this, uh, he did write Wolf of Wall it's, Street. Mm-hmm. And it's Irishman. Based, mm-hmm. It's based on a... Uh, I don't know if it's based on a true story. But I think it, I know it's based on a novel, but I don't know if it's you know if it's if it's a true story or not. But it's really good. Um, uh, searching for Bobby Fischer, Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind is like Jim Carrey's most underrated dramatic role ever. I would kind of <laughs> disagree with you. Why? I, I, I kind of think Eternal Sunshine is a little overrated, actually. Oh, dude, not as well, a- no, not the, no, not the movie overall. I mean, his performance. 
No, no, no. I, I'm talking about not even like the movie itself. Like it's good. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about how many people mention it because I hear oh, that movie okay. so many times. Really? Okay. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, because every time I, I mention like, oh, have you seen this? Uh, Eternal Sunshine? They're like, no. Like, what is that? I'm like, what? And so and I feel like that one's like not as known. But I mean, I don't know. I could be wrong with that. And then Ed Wood from Tim Burton. Ed Wood's a friend great. Of, a, friend, a friend of mine, uh, he kept quoting it in class. And I was like, what is that? And he was like, oh, it's Ed Wood from Tim Burton, you know? And I was like, I've never, because, you know, we love Tim Burton. And he's like, oh, he's like, yeah, check it out. So I watched it. Dude, I love that movie to pieces. <laughs> it's <laughs> the same guys that wrote Dolomite is my name wrote Ed Wood. Because you can tell, like, it's very similar. Yeah. It's it's so so good, and I love I love the scene where he he goes in and changes into women's clothes for the for the priests. And he comes out he's like, "All right, let's make this movie." You know, I also like, love when they're like filming a scene on the street and they see cops, and they're like, "Do you have permits?" And he's like, "No, run!" Yeah. Grab the camera, run! That's like I had a Johnny Depp movie on my list. Uh, mm. I had Dead Man from Jim Jarmusch, which came out a year after oh, Ed Wood. Yeah, mm-hmm. Dead Man is such one of the most underrated westerns, and it's not even like a traditional western. Mm-hmm. It's like a almost like an anti western sort of thing. I never heard of that. I need to check that out. It's a, it's essentially um, Johnny Depp. I think plays like a, a writer mm-hmm. who ends up being shot and is just being dragged around by this Native American. Oh, <laughs> and he's like just running into the most random people while also being hunted by the I forgot who it was I think they put a bounty on him because it was like some family member that died with him or mm-hmm. something and it's Robert Mitchum who oh, plays wow. the um, the guy that hires the bounty hunter mm-hmm. and it's such a good movie it's a movie that I watched in high school and I didn't understand it and then I rewatched it like years later and I loved it. Okay. I got to check that one out. Though. But it's probably one of Johnny Depp's more underrated films. Okay. Um, I think Neil Young does the music for the film. And it's also like a music score you wouldn't expect because it's electric guitar. Like Neil Young's like electric guitar style. And it has one of the most colorful cast like of random people like Iggy Pop is in it. Bo- uh, Billy Bob Thornton is in it. What the heck? Alfred Molino's <laughs> in it. Um, it Robert, like, Robert Mitchum's in it. It sounds like it shouldn't work, but it does. <laughs> That's how Jim Jarmusch films are. He like cast like all of his friends. That's like, hilarious. Like the Dead Don't Die had RZA, Tom Waits, Bill Murray, Adam Driver, Adam Driver. Selena Gomez. Mm-hmm. It's like, what is this cast? <laughs> that was one I I wanted to see, and then I heard everyone was like, it's really long. It's I actually very like dry, it, and I don't know if you're gonna like it. I, was I like, actually oh. liked it. There's I, I parts of it where it. I'm like iffy on, and like I think mm-hmm. some parts I didn't hit, but I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I think I need, I need to watch it. You need, need to, to see it, it just for you need to see it just for Adam Driver pulling up to a crime scene on a smart car, <laughs> just for that image alone. <laughs> oh my god! Um, what was the so the film you said before Eternal Sunshine, and then I can go to my couple films no uh, edward eternal sunshine and then yeah searching yeah okay cool edward's great i think that is probably tim burton's most underrated film honestly yes because i didn't even know that was 
a movie of his until my friend told me about it. Because like everybody knows Batman, like the two Batman movies. The... Right. Yeah, because it, it came out right around the same time. Like it came out like I think after Edward Scissorhands, like a ra- like I feel like I something was in so. between. I think something was in between them, but Ed Wood was 1994 and then Edward 1990. So if that's 94, that means he did that before Batman Returns, right? He did Batman Returns in between Scissorhands and Ed Wood. Oh, okay. Because yeah, when Beetlejuice, Batman, Edward Scissorhands, Batman Returns, Ed Wood. Oh, okay, yeah, no, I'm yeah, and I then see right Mars Attacks, Sleepy Hollow, Planet of the Apes. Big, I think Big you Fish might what? be another underrated Burton Dude, film. Big Fish is so good. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember loving that movie. And then he but got, um, I, I do not like Mars Attacks. I try so hard to with that movie. I, I don't think I've can't. ever seen it. I, I, I turned it off maybe 30 minutes in. <laughs> I was so over it. I was just like, yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> I think Sleepy Hollow is all right. Oh, dude, I love Sleepy Hollow. The imagery alone is great. It's so awesome. The imagery. It's a it's a perfect Halloween movie. I would agree. Yeah. Um. Alrighty. Tim Burton is um, a good director, but he's oh, definitely dude, he, he's definitely a director that you need to like enjoy his style. Mm-hmm. Because so I, I think I know a lot of people like felt like uh, Miss Peregrine's Home for for Peculiar Children. Was a little bit of a miss. I think it was. I think it was awesome. I thought it was, was it great. More of, a, more of a hit than Dumbo. No, I don't know. I love Dumbo. I, I really liked it. My issue with Dumbo is it doesn't feel like a Tim Burton movie. No, like it, it feels. Was, it feels it like totally, they gave him yeah. like the carnival scene was like the one thing they're like, all right, you can put your style here, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was. It was very vanilla Tim. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that one they were like, okay, we gave you Alice in Wonderland. Now do this one for us. Like mm-hmm. that's how it felt. Like you know. They probably were like, all right, we let you do your thing in Alice. And like, it didn't work. So. Yeah, it did. They it, made, it made a like, billion dollars. Yeah, it made like hand over fist. And so <laughs> That's like, like a movie that baffles me. Like, how did that make a billion dollars? I think it was a technology because if you think probably. about it, the 3D, the th- it was a bunch of 3D screenings. I, I think, remember because I saw it 3D twice. And I, I think it was also those, off those of um, Avatar just came out the year before. So I think people were all mm. hyped about the 3D. Right. And it was totally CG world and realm. So it was very interesting to see. That's a movie where Mia Wachowski or what? what, I don't even know her last name. I I can't pronounce her last name, but yes. Yes. She's that same character in every movie. Almost every movie. She's kind of gotten better in the last couple of years. I mean, you could kind of make an argument that, yes, she is kind of the same character, like in Crimson Peak and there. But like that's actually on my list. Yeah. Oh, Crimson Peak. Crimson Peak's on my list. Dude, I love Crimson Peak. That is. Oh, my gosh. I don't know if it's Guillermo's most underrated film, but I think it's probably one of his more like movies people didn't pay enough attention to or like we're like, oh, this is his return to horror and this is what he gave us. And we kind of talk like we could talk about it like real quick right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, We talked about it on the Bly Manor episode where it's like you need to know it's a gothic romance, not a horror film. Right, right. But the production design alone for that film, plus it's so good. You know, with a Guillermo movie, you you're in for something, whatever it is, because he mm-hmm. puts his heart into everything. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, his movies, especially because I just finished. I've just finished watching, uh, maybe three weeks ago, um, uh, Pan's Labyrinth for the first time. 
Really? And, dude. Pan's Labyrinth right. is a masterpiece. Oh my gosh. Because because I told my mom I was like, hey, it's a it's a Spanish film, so you're gonna have to really pay attention to the subtitles. She's like, okay. And so watching it, both of us loved it. Love, love, love it. Masterpiece, and dude. Oh my gosh, everything is so detailed. I was completely blown away by it. I was you know, like, he's on the, he's on another level with that Doug, movie. Doug Jones plays the fawn and the pale man in that movie. Yeah, and Doug Jones mm-hmm. was so committed to the role that he learned Spanish to speak as the fawn on set. Mm-hmm. But um, Guillermo overdubbed it with another, like a Spanish actor. And I'm pretty oh. sure that the actor that overdubbed him was like, Doug was fine for like, <laughs> and like, cause he did it in Spanish on set. So the, like the way he's saying it is actually like accurate, to, accurate. Mm-hmm. to the overdub. Right. <laughs> I remember the guy I was, was like, say- the guy was like, Doug's fine. Like he did a good <laughs> job. Like, why didn't you yeah. just keep it? Yeah. Uh, he probably had like a specific, you know. He probably wanted like that the voice that ends up being the fawn, right? Which works. Right. Oh, yeah, totally. Because you like, which yeah, you're you're right. Because which works because you don't know whether to trust him or like be completely afraid of him. You know, yeah, that movie's so good. Yeah, and oh, I love man. how like the dude. Fairy we could do thing. a whole episode on like just Guillermo movies. Uh, <laughs> yes, please. I would love that, dude. I would love to just watch. I, I just need an excuse to watch Guillermo movies. Dude, I've I've yet to see Devil's Backbone or Mimic. Watch that. Watch I've... Devil's Backbone. You so Guillermo. I think Devil's Backbone is where you really see Guillermo's style start to happen because it's very okay. similar to everything that happens after. After all the okay. movies before is kind of like he has. You can see a glimpse of it, but it's not fully there. Okay. Devil's Backbone, I think, is where it's fully realized. Okay. Actually. I think Devil's Backbone is the closest he was getting to it, and then Pan's Labyrinth is full realized, like Guillermo. Yeah. Okay. It's I like got, he leveled check up. That out. Yeah. <laughs> He's like the one filmmaker. I was telling Claudia. He went from he went from Charmander to <laughs> to Charizard by by Pan's Labyrinth. Yes. He's like the one filmmaker. If I met in person, I'd be like, "Can I hug you?" Like. <laughs> He's like the one person I would like, probably like fanboy over. Like mm-hmm. Guillermo like, seems like such one of like the loveliest people ever. Oh, dude, yeah, he seems like like he would give you a hug and like you know mm-hmm. <laughs> his right kidney. I love, <laughs> like, his, you... I love his um glasses, his like fishbowl glasses. Yes, it's it's so funny, and it's like it, it's a style into his own, you know, and it's so hilarious to see. He's, I think, probably my top five like directors. Oh, dude. Even totally, and even because I, I personally I don't like Pacific Rim personally, mm-hmm. but you tell you could tell he had fun with it though. Oh, totally! It, it it's like it's like a kid playing with action figures, and you know you can totally to see it, right? And I'm like, in like when I need a shut off brain movie, I want I put on Pacific Rim, you know. And like, I, do I like it? No, but like, hey, it's enjoyable, you know. That's all it needs to be, and I'm pretty sure. Like, I don't know if it's his weakest film. I like. I haven't seen Mimic either. Um, mm, I don't know, I, out of all the films I've seen, Blade Two is his weakest. But it, then again, it's also he had fun with that movie, right? Um, but no, he's definitely a director. Where I, I think at this point, studios are just like, you do you, like do whatever you want. So, like that's yeah. what happened with Crimson Peak and Shape of Water. Yeah. Well, no, because Shape of Water was supposed to be. Um... 
uh, Universal's, um, whatchamacallit? Um, Creature from the Black Lagoon? Yes, but they're like, no, you have to do it our way. He's like, no. And they're like, okay, bye. <laughs> and so he he took his story, changed it, and then that's where we got the shape of water. That's so good. And I was like, I was like, you guys are idiots. <laughs> I was like, what are you guys doing over there? That movie is like, so how, good. How do you pass on that? You know? How do you pass on Guillermo? Honestly, I don't get it. But uh, I was going to say one last thing about Guillermo. Um, with Pan's Labyrinth, uh, Claudia got me. Actually, they sell it at Barnes & Noble. They novelized it as like a fairy tale book. Out, really? Yeah. So like the whole uh, movie is written as a book. And then there's mm-hmm. like fairy tale, like um, like Grimm's fairy tale drawings in it. Oh, and, it's, dude, and the so cover cool. art is so good. Like, look it up. Like, look up Pan's Labyrinth um, book. I gotta check it out. But it's so good. That movie's amazing. And Crimson Peak is definitely his most underrated film. Um, while you're looking that up, I'll move on to my next three films that I yeah, believe I are underrated. My next three films are Grave of the Fireflies from 1988, um, Columbus from 2017, and Brigsby Bear from 2017. Um, Grave of the... All of them sound familiar. I can't say I've seen them all. You would get down with Brigsby Bear. I feel like you would love it. But Grave of the Fireflies, if you want to see a movie that just constantly punches you down and wants to make you feel like (laughs) shit, watch Grave of the Fireflies. (laughs) It's a film. It's Studio Ghibli. And I think it's like... It's one That's of their. Where I know it from. Okay, I was gonna say, one of their, like, It sounds so familiar. Okay, it's my favorite of their films, but it's one of the films that I cannot watch because mm-hmm. it makes me cry every time I see it, and I know what's ha- like. I know what's gonna happen, <laughs> and it's just a film where like you're rooting for these characters, but every situation that happens to them in the movie constantly just punches them down even more, Jeez. and like because of that, you feel. And it's the two leads are an eleven year old and a five-year-old in World War II Japan. Jeez, dude. It's a brutal movie. I need it. Yeah, okay. Okay, that needs to... I remember I showed my roommate it, because he was... I was like, this movie... Like, we watched it in class, and I was like, this movie made me bawl. Like, everyone in class was crying, but when Mm -hmm. the lights came on, we're like, no one's crying. (laughs) You cried? Wuss. (laughs) But, like, everyone's still, like, shedding tears. Yeah, yeah. Dude, um, I, I need to explore Studio Ghibli movies because, like, outside of um, you know the usual like um, Howl's Moving Castle, you know Spirited the mainstream away. ones, yeah, Spirited Away. Like, I know those ones, but like those other ones, I'm like, I want to like dive in. If you into dive those. into one, great. You you know how you said Soul was like making you like a wreck, not like a yeah. complete wreck. Grave of the Fireflies, I, I imagine you'll cry for like 30 minutes once the movie's over. Oh, jeez. That movie, like <laughs> I showed my roommate and he was like, I want to watch it because if it made you cry, like I want to see like, does it like, does it work? And I was like, <laughs> dude, like this is your funeral. Like, yeah. <laughs> and like every scene, we're just like, he was like, what? <laughs> like, and then at the very end, it was like, we both were like a wreck. Dude. I, yeah. Okay. I need to see that movie then. It's, it. it's such a good it's so beautiful but like it's again like one of it's the most heartbreaking film i've ever seen mm-hmm. um it's probably one of the best and the thing i love about it too is it's probably one of the best war films that's not told from an american perspective it's told from two kids wow. in japan that had to deal with the aftermath mm-hmm. of 
the Americans essentially. World War Two. World War Two and like what America's did. Wow, like, that's that's amazing. That's mm-hmm. crazy. You need to watch it. It's dude. That alone, that pitch alone is like enough for me. I wanna, I wanna see it now. <laughs> I don't know where it's at, but if you can find it again, it's probably on Amazon to rent. Probably, dude. Amazon has everything. Amazon has everything. To be honest, but that is a film like everyone needs to put that on like the top of their radar again. It probably doesn't get enough attention because it is animated, but mm-hmm. it's it's animated and it's oh, like a downer. No, if it's if it's Studio Ghibli, if it's Studio Ghibli, it's on um, HBO now or HBO Max. There you go. Whatever the studio. It'll be on called. HBO Max because they got the because they got the entire they got the entire catalog. I have it actually. I should probably watch it tonight. Let if, me know what you think. If I don't want to cry, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, you want to cry. Oh man! But that that film. <laughs> I'll bring the tissues. Oh my god! That like I, it's one of those films too. Where it's like I want to rewatch it, but yeah, I don't want to cry because mm-hmm. like, I know what's gonna, you know it's I know what's gonna happen. Like I've seen it maybe two or three times. Mm-hmm. So like, but every time it's like the same effect, or it's always for me. It's always the yeah. same line. Oh, okay. You'll and I'll once you see it, I'll let you know which one it was. You'll probably know. You pick it up on what it was. Okay. But yeah, I don't think it gets enough attention because it, it is like it's not a Miyazaki Studio Ghibli film. It's not a happy movie, so people probably wouldn't want to watch it. Because I remember mm. I was reading about it. It double screened with Totoro. And I think they showed <laughs> I think they showed Totoro first because they were like, uh-huh. oh, that's the happier movie. If you want to leave, like you can. <laughs> Or was that <laughs> last chance? <laughs> because I don't think they wanted to show it before and have people like sobbing going into a happy movie like Totoro. Yeah, because it came out the same year as Totoro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And since Totoro is the more Totoro is the face of Ghibli, <laughs> dude, talk about like a double feature. Compl- <laughs> do you, how do you want to? How do you want to leave? You want to leave in tears? Do you want to leave happy? <laughs> do you want to leave with Totoro or Grave of the Fireflies? Oh my gosh! Jeez. I personally like. I love both of those films. I personally love Grave of the Fireflies more just because of how deeper it is. Like Totoro mm. is just a fun movie. Yeah. Um. But yes, everyone. That I think out of all the movies I have on my list, that should be on the top of everybody's list. After okay. this episode, I need, I'll definitely check that out. I cannot recommend Grave of the Fireflies enough. Um, and then what, was, what were my other two? <laughs> Columbus. And... Columbus, I'll talk a little bit about and okay. uh, Brigsby Bear. Yeah. Columbus is a film, again, like I had to search for this film because it came out in 2017. I saw it in Chicago at the Music Box. It was playing only at the Music Box in their screening room. Oh my gosh. They have like their auditorium theater and then they have a little smaller theater that's like the curtain opens up and it's like a real tiny like as if you were showing like a an assembly cut. Oh wow. That's okay. what I watched it on. Mm-hmm. I saw it because I remember hearing it took place in Columbus, Indiana and like the architecture was like prominent in the film. And it's just like a very simple story mm-hmm. um where John shows an architect scholar like scholar and he's stuck in columbus because his father who he's not really crazy about is dying Mm -hmm. and he strikes up like he becomes friends with an architect enthusiast and it's basically them just 
walking around the city talking about life and everything and aspirations and it's just like a really soft quiet movie mm-hmm. but very good very underrated it actually took i think two years for it to get released on blu-ray because i was constantly oh, wow. waiting for it to get released jeez and even when the That's blu-ray crazy. came out it was very hard to find even mm-hmm. on amazon wow but where'd you it, find it on amazon <laughs> you can find everything on amazon but it was one of those films where it took a long time for them to release it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that one's just another, like, that's a quiet film. So if, like, you're into those kind of films, I would recommend it. And then Brigsby Bear. And I guess I'll mention my other one that would go along with it. It's called One Cut of the Dead. Okay. And I know that one is on Shudder. That was, like, the reason I got Shudder. Both of these films have a theme about, like, if you want to make a film, like, go out and do it. <laughs> Because Brigsby Bear, I don't want to like spoil it because it's there's a really good twist within like the first ten minutes. Oh jeez. Uh-huh. Um, where he's obsessed. The main character played by Kyle Mooney from Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. Um, he's obsessed with this TV show called Brigsby Bear Adventure, which is kind of like a kind of like a Barney esque sort of show, like like a like a kid show. Right. They never finished the show, so his whole goal of the movie is to make the Brigsby Bear movie to finish the show. Yeah. And it's just like a very heartwarming film about like if you want to make something, like just go do it. Just go do it. That's crazy. And the same thing with One Cut of the Dead is I don't want to spoil that movie either, but Mm -hmm. I thought the whole film was one take, but it's the first 45 minutes of the film are a one take zombie attack in a warehouse what the heck but like again it's about making movies too right or the the i'll, I'll give the brief premise of the film because i want everyone to go watch it on shutter mm-hmm. it's about a group of people making a zombie movie and then don't yawn during my explanation <laughs> no dude i'm just tired i'm sorry all right um Never. <laughs> Sorry. I was trying to do that. Trying to do that subtly. <laughs> I see everything. Uh it's about this director making a zombie film, and while they're making the film, he actually releases zombies on the actors. And it's still trying to capture the movie because he's trying to make the best zombie movie. That is all I will say about one cut of the dead. That is hilarious. But everyone needs to watch that. Brigsby Bear. And again, Actually, Grave of the Fireflies. Dude. <laughs> is it a comedy? The, um, one, the, cut last of the one? one Cut of the Dead is a comedy. Okay. Because I was like, that sounds like Shaun of the Dead, like totally. <laughs> it's actually like a play on it. Yeah. Okay. Dude, I can't. Okay. I need to watch that. It's on Shudder, you said? That one's on Shudder, yes. That was probably okay, one of the best films I saw from 2019, I believe, is when it was released. And the coolest thing about it was, I think I read about it, it was made by film students within like six weeks. Oh my God. And I was That's very intense. impressed by it. Six weeks? I wish. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I mean, I made Midwest Fiasco in like a week and a half, which I'm Jeez. proud of that. Mm. Um, I think I only have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I got like 12 films left. Six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11. I have 12. Okay. Yeah. We, can knock, we can knock these out pretty quick. I don't know how you, much explanation. Do you want to just, let's just, let's just, uh, for these last ones, let's just spit them out and then we'll um, 
any ones that kind of just stand out, we'll talk about it. Okay, that, that sounds good to me. Because this right. is getting pretty long. Yeah, dude, I'm looking at the time. I'm like, dude, we're going in two hours. <laughs> this is our four-hour episode, everybody. We're topping season two right Hit off the back. <laughs> <laughs> you already did. <laughs> Beat that, Arsenio, from 2020. <laughs> Still haunts me. <laughs> you just you play the same trailer for your own episode. Yeah. <laughs> Arsen- it's all the dark side Arsenio comes out. <laughs> Darker side Arsenio. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Um, which we'll call it. Okay. So it's me, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So after give that, the, I would say give the year for the film too. Cause I, oh, sh- dude, I don't have the, I don't have the year written. Oh, down. okay. Then <laughs> I would have to look I, it I up. Have the, I have the year for mine. All right. Well, okay. So I have right here midnight in Paris. Um, you can, uh, it's a Woody Allen film. You can find it on Amazon Prime and Netflix. It kind of flip flops between the two. Uh, Spotlight from Tom McCarthy. That's the one with, um, uh, it's on Netflix. The Prestige, Christopher Nolan. That's one I think no one really talks about. I was uh, trying to find a Nolan film for my list, mm-hmm. but I agree with you. Probably The Prestige is his most. Dude, underrated. it's so good and no one talks about it. I and, agree. Um, which we call it the Prestige. I have Nightcrawler. Uh, that one's on Netflix. Dan Gilroy, uh, Ex Machina. That's where I got introduced to Oscar Isaac. Was Ex Machina? Uh, oh, okay. Uh, Alex Garland. I was thinking Drive because he's in that movie. Oh, dude, I forgot he was in that movie. He's good. He's he's in it for a little bit, but he's great in it. Yeah, he is. Um, next up, I have Loving from Jeff Nichols. That one's really good. I've been needing to see that one, dude. It, that one's on Netflix. I, I, yeah, I, I remember seeing it because there was a bunch of times where I was gonna watch it and then something came up. I, I was gonna go see it in theaters and something came up. So when I finally saw it on Netflix, I was like, okay, I'm gonna finally watch it, dude. It is so, so, so good, and it's actually based on a true story. And it, I was mm-hmm. so blown away by it. It was really good. Um, a beautiful day in the neighborhood, um, directed by uh, Marielle Heller. Um, that one's um, uh, last year with Tom, oh, Hanks, Tom Hanks, Mr. Rogers. Yeah, that one's really good. Uh, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Talk about a callback. That one, 1932. That one. Is that uh, from Sydney Poitier? That's the guy. No, name. that one's. Or... Uh, shoot, hold on. Mr. Smith goes to Washington. 1939 or. 59 39 uh, uh james stewart james stewart's uh um i think that's his like first role if i'm not mistaken one of his first probably yeah yeah one of it when he was really Jimmy really stewart young. claude rains is in it <laughs> the invisible man yeah 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 he's oh, in there too frank capra movie that's what it was yeah frank, Cap- frank capra um yeah and then i have emma from autumn de wild that one came out last year before the whole pandemic hit. oh i Dude, remember i wanted to see that if you you oh my gosh guys all you guys listening right now you need to drop what you're doing and watch this movie i was i saw it at at the premiere at the dga uh office at the screener and um uh uh, whatchamacallit and the director was there the director herself is very oddball (laughs) to say the least but like she definitely has her own style but she makes it all her own. And this movie is so quirky and so unique in its telling of uh, Emma that it's so, so good. 
like if you've seen because it's a remake of other you know emma's mm-hmm. uh before because i think um it's a jane austen novel right yeah yeah it's a jane austen novel i think if i'm not mistaken um uh oh my gosh what's her name dude i'm blanking on names today guys i'm sorry <laughs> what's the one with um uh tony stark's wife oh gwyneth paltrow Thank you. She played Emma one time in like in the nineties when they made it in the nineties. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I haven't seen that one, so I don't really, I can't comment on that one. But just seeing this one, dude, it's so, so, so good. And I, I quote that thing all the time. I think <laughs> uh, the movie chatter crew will approve of Emma. I think Don was watching it recently. I think so because I know dude. they're on a they're on an Anna, Anya. Anya? Anya, Taylor, Anya Taylor Joy. Dude, I think she's on, okay. so, so good. And for her being this young and this good, it's scary. Dude, I knew she's she like, was going to be great after The Witch. As soon as I saw her in The Witch, I'm mm-hmm. like, this girl's going to, she's going to blow the, up. It's going to be the, it, it, for me, it was n- not only after The Witch, but it was after Split. Split was well, the yeah. one. Dude, I, Split, no, I still think The Witch. Like, she was good in Split, but I'm like, nah, The Witch. Like, right. Well, I think the witch kind of hit me differently. Where, yeah, like she was, she was really good, but she didn't, she didn't wow me. But seeing her in Split, it really, she really wowed me there. So, well, she's gonna be in the the Northman, the new Robert Edgar's movie. Mm-hmm, I saw That's that. I'm pumped about so that. I'm, one. I'm excited because now that she's older, and I'm like, dang, and she's only gotten better. So I'm like, dude, I can't wait to see what she's gonna do next. Agreed. And then uh, after Emma, I have Dread, um, the Pete Travis. Um, uh oh my god carl urban yeah carl urban's dress. i was gonna say if you put the stallone one on here what are you doing no 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 no, no not that one <laughs> i um, am the law <laughs> uh uh overlord uh julius avery dude that's that a good that is a good pick. So, oh my gosh if you guys because it's a great world war ii movie that just has a like a sci-fi twist at the end it's like if a B movie like, from it, the 50s got a budget dude oh my it's so because i remember seeing it in imax i was expecting like okay it's gonna be universal imax uh no 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 it was um back in my neck of the woods like covina i saw Um, it at the universal imax because i wish i saw that was when i had just moved to la um Uh for my last semester of college and Mm -hmm. my roommates and i all had the stubs so we all were always at universal yeah i think we didn't have class on tuesday so we would just go to universal to see movies (laughs) dude that sounds awesome yeah, dude, I remember seeing that in, in. I remember when I took my friend Aaron. We went, we both went to go see it because we're like, okay, JJ Abrams. All right, we'll see this movie. Uh, he's produced it, he didn't direct it, but like, we're like, okay, we'll check this out, dude. From, from the get go, the ground was shaking. It, it sounded like you're in a war zone, or we're like, oh my God. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, geez, dude. His, and then, Kurt Russell's son is trying to be Kurt Russell in the movie, but he's good dude, at it. He's so good. He's everyone in this movie. There's not one weak link. And mm-hmm. Everyone is so good in this movie. It's mind blowing. Um, and then, if for those who really loved Invisible Man that came out last year, uh, Upgrade. Upgrade is one for the better Le Venom movie, dude. Oh my gosh, Upgrade! I love. I remember I was. It was me and the, um. It was who did I take? I can't remember. There, there was I took a girl. I just can't remember who. Um. Uh. It was a friend of mine. She. I was like, oh, you want to go see Upgrade? She's like, yeah, sure. Let's go see it. And there's this one scene where this dude's face is just like getting punched in, and it's so violent and we're just like oh and she she looked at me she's like 
wow, this is the movie you chose. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. I didn't know it was going to be like this. I was like, dude, that one, that movie is so, so good. That one's so great. And then um, one that, again, because it's on Apple TV Plus, I think it's going to be severely overlooked is uh, Greyhound with Tom Hanks. Have you, have you seen it or not yet? I haven't. I don't think I have Apple Plus TV. So oh, it's only five bucks. It's honestly, it's only five bucks, but you get a lot of great content, mm-hmm. a lot of great content. Because mm-hmm. not only do you get Greyhound, you get Wolf Walkers, but you get the morning show. Sorry, this is like complete detour. This is but an ad like, from Apple Plus TV. No, because I mean, I know people who know me. I have an iPhone, I have Macs, I have Apple TV. Everything I have is Apple. I just like the function of it, like the cross compatibility. That's where I start and end with Apple, like their practices and whatever. That's that's on them <laughs> but, but like the content that they're doing with the morning show the morning show is so good and with steve carell and jennifer aniston and um uh, um uh Mark shoot. It. Uh, dude he is scary good <laughs> like everyone in that show is so scary good and it's actually based on true events uh for those who don't know what the premise is about the show is that like steve carell's character is accused of a sexual assault um isn't it like a uh, matt lauer scenario like the today show i, I think so but it, it's not only him but it's other um it, it's based in like a morning show type of setting but it's taken from other people's stories as well that are outside of a morning show type of mm-hmm. situation and it's actually really good it's scary good because even you have um uh shoot i'm drawing i'm drawing huge blanks but like there's this one scene where you you see someone who's worse than uh steve carell's character and you're like well he's not bad as bad as that guy but he's still bad (laughs) you know and 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 one of the questions that i was posed he's like well just because you're not me doesn't make you any better than you know the Mm -hmm. next guy and i was like dang you're so right you know because people people who like sexually assault or you know whatever take advantage of women and they're like well yeah i did that but it's not like i'm not like that guy or i'm not like i don't kill them or whatever right. it kind of gives you both sides of the same coin you know mm-hmm. where it's like there's the subtlety of it which is steve carell's character and then there's the blatant blatancy of it which is this other character mm-hmm. and it's like they're the same danger it's just presented in a different way and it's so well done and so well written i cannot recommend it enough another one's called defending jacob it's with chris evans chris evans is scary good in this show it's so so good dude it's like with with the apple tv plus the content on there is so good it's honestly five bucks honestly five bucks gets you all that and it's really good and stuff you can just binge and knock out in a week you know it was sorry, my rant is over, but still, <laughs> it was like Apple TV Plus. You have to get it; it's get really it. good. <laughs> and then, do you have any more on your underrated list, or no, is, I, does it? I, I I have I have two other I have three documentaries here, but it's just more of like for those like film fans who like it, um, like the one I told you about the score documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, I have that on there. Uh, Making waves, uh, the art of cinematic sound. Uh, from Midge Costin. That one's really good. It literally goes into how they made the lightsaber sounds to just these sounds that you just, they just had to make up. And you're like, how do you even think of like, oh yeah, I can make a dinosaur growl from like 
this weird thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And then a uh, uh, documentary, HBO documentary on Spielberg and just how he became Spielberg and like how the industry, how like the general audience loved him, but the industry didn't just because he's this hotshot kid who struck gold his first time around, mm-hmm. you know? And it was really interesting to see that. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much my list right there. All right, I'll wrap up with my list of the rest of my yeah. underrated films. All right, go ahead. Um, I have Cold War from 2018. That was I, like, I still haven't seen that one. It's beautiful. I remember you told me. I remember you telling me to see it. And Very I, I beautiful. Seen it it's it was the one foreign film beside Roma, and I believe it got overshadowed because of Roma. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, both films were great, but Cold War is very beautiful. But I don't think a lot of people watched it. Mm. Um, got another oldie on here: Carnival of Souls from 1962. Uh, directed by Herc Hervey, again another one-time director. This is the only film he ever made, <laughs> and it's it's so eerie and creepy. And the score for it is like a church organ, mm-hmm. and it's very like it's unsettling and just very um, surreal, if that's mm-hmm. the right word. Um, very good. I believe that should be on Criterion Channel. I think Cold War is also on. I think that's no, that's Amazon Prime because that was Amazon Studios. Cold War. Oh yeah, you're right. So that's yeah. on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one on Amazon is Bone Tomahawk. Yes, honestly, that one's really good. I was debating that between that and Brawl and Cell Block ninety nine. I haven't seen that one, but that I've one's heard good of, too. I heard that that's one's on really good, Amazon yeah. as well. They're both very okay. good. They're both. That's I love that director S. Craig Zoller because he does these mm-hmm. like classic genre style films, but mm-hmm. they're so well done and so well written. Um, the next one I have is my Chaplin film from 1952 called Limelight. Um, it's not his, I don't know that one. Yeah. Limelight is not his last film, but if you watch it in the context of what was happening in his real life, mm-hmm. it essentially is his like curtain call. If that makes sense. Wow. That's... The premise is about a washed up vaudeville star that no one cares about anymore. And he's like trying to help, um, a suicidal ballerina like be like oh you need to live your dream like it's your time now and she's still trying to get him to like do one last show and he's like i'll do it but they don't care like they don't want me anymore like no one likes me because at that yeah. time in real life everyone was kicking him out of america because they were calling him a communist and oh yeah because, all this shit it, yeah 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 because oh, of the great crazy. dictator and mm-hmm. all this but if you watch it in the context like this is chaplin's final film it's mm-hmm. like it's honestly like a masterpiece it's oh, dude i can't wait it also has yeah, one of yeah the, i definitely watched that it has one of the best finale scenes and mm-hmm. best final sequences of any movie i've seen and it's the only film where chaplin and buster keaton shared the screen get out are you serious yeah oh wow that's they do awesome. a they do a, at the very end they do a silent like a vaudeville silent comedy show Oh, that's cool. And they're both like in their because they're both older by this point. Mm-hmm. But it was awesome seeing that. That's um, great. Next one I have is called Eyes Without a Face from 1960. It's a French horror film. Okay. Uh, another French film I have from 1973 is called Fantastic Planet. It's a. I want to say I've I've heard of that one. Yeah. It is a trippy, cutout animated movie. Interesting. Um, okay. About racism and like. Um, it's essentially like these aliens take over these humans and they're only doing it because they think they're better than them and it's very like undertones of like racism and classism Mm -hmm. very good very again it's a genre film French sci-fi a very unique style Mm -hmm. Um, 
So not a lot of people would get down with it, but if you are interested in it, it's very good. Okay. Uh, the next one, the next one, I could have put any one of the films from these directors' filmography, and I've told you about it. It's from Aaron Moorhead and Justin Benson. Um, Aaron, who I got my cats from, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Resolution is their most underrated film. Okay. But honestly, I could put that one, Spring, The Endless, and their new film, Synchronic, as all underrated, because I don't think... Synchronic came out already? Um, it's coming out actually soon. It's coming out on VOD next week. Oh, cool. Okay, I'll definitely check it out then. I mean, I'm going to be here, so... I think it comes out on Blu-ray at the end of this month, if I'm not mistaken, but... Cool. Synchronic's okay. very good, but all their films, I think The Endless is on Netflix, and I believe Resolution is as well. And I okay. think Spring is on Amazon Prime. Okay. All of them are underrated. All right. I'll definitely check those out. Another one I think is underrated is Good Time with Robert Patton. Yeah. My boy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Even even off even off Mike, he still champions <laughs> Robert Patton. I always champion Robert Patton. <laughs> that movie that gave that was the movie that convinced me, like, oh, he's a great actor. Like I oh, went back dude. and looked at his yeah. other films and I'm like, damn, like he has like so much more than Twilight and Harry Potter. Oh yeah. But everyone needs to watch Good Time. It's on Amazon Prime. Yeah, because that, that's the one I always point people to because they're like, I don't think he's gonna be a good Batman. I'm like, watch Good Time. Watch Good Time. <laughs> it's like watch Good Time, watch uh, the lighthouse. You will see watch that the he's rover. a good Batman. Dude, oh my gosh, dude. What's so great in the movie rover. that's not Twilight, and you'll see that he's a good he's a good actor. Uh, actually, people were saying to convince people to see if he's a good Bruce Wayne, they were saying go watch Cosmopolis because he essentially mm-hmm. is Bruce Wayne in it. Yeah. Um, the next film I have is from my favorite director, John Carpenter. I think mm. his most underrated film is In the Mouth of Madness. Shoot, dude, I don't even know what that is. It came out in <laughs> 1995. It was wow. kind of on the tail end. Like he started going downhill with his films by this point. Mm-hmm. And he said it many times before, like he was just getting burnt out because literally, if you look at his films, Mm-hmm. or his filmography he was literally releasing film after film after film Jeez. pretty much yearly like throughout the 80s because I think it was The Fog um, I think yeah Escape The Fog from came New out in 1980 I think it was The Fog Escape from New York here it is The Thing, Christine, Starman, Big Trouble in Little China, Prince of Darkness, and They Live all came out within the span of eight or nine years. Jeez, dude. Plus, and then in the 90s, he started slowing down, but he was saying by this point he was burnt out, and he was even saying filmmaking wasn't fun anymore. Which well, yeah, is, I, can, I can see that. Which is kind of a bummer. Actually, no. Ever since 1978, he was making films yearly. Yeah, I was looking at that too. We went Halloween, a TV movie called "Someone's Watching Me." It's all right. Someone's Elvis, watching me. Elvis, right. Elvis, The Fog, Escape from New York, The Thing, Christine, Starman, and then took a break in '85, and then did Big Trouble in Little China in '86, and then '87, Prince of Darkness, '88, They Live. But, Jeez, if, you, but dude, if you think about crazy. it, he didn't. And then take, the '90s too. If, if you think about it, he didn't take '85 off because he was probably filming. Big Trouble in Little China or something. Probably. So it's like yeah, a yeah, consistent yeah. run of 12 years of just making movies. Not only making them, he was writing most no, of them. He was totally doing the music that. for most of them. 
But no, dude, the, I'd be burnt out too. Are you kidding me? But in the mouth of madness is probably <laughs> I'd like be burnt out after five. <laughs> it's probably his last like great carpenter movie. It's got a lot okay. of scares. It's got a lot of surrealism in it. Um, it's mm. very much. It's sort of like a Lovecraftian film too, where um, Sam Neill's character goes to this town to investigate a writer's like went missing, and mm-hmm. essentially the writer's novels start coming to life in this town. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so cool. It's one of his best movies. It's very. It's got a lot of great imagery. The grandma from Happy Gilmore is in it, and she becomes a monster. <laughs> that's crazy so just watch it for that okay Um, it has a very it has a very creepy image of a kid who rides a bike and is just forever riding that bike until he's an old man oh my god so it's like these kind of imagery and like the the scares in it are pretty good there's some like iffy moments in it but it's still like if i would say what was carpenter's last good movie i would say that one and it's probably his most underrated Okay, it's one of my favorite Carpenter films, but again, when you ask about John Carpenter, everyone goes to The Thing, Halloween, Escape from New York, sometimes Assault on Precinct Thirteen. I think that's a oh, good okay. film. Yeah, that one's really good. Um, but those are the ones people go to, or like They Live. Right. I was yeah, Sam Neill. Thinking about it, Sam Neill was big at that time because that was like right after Jurassic Park. Yeah, I was even debating on putting Starman on this list. Starman is really good. Starman's great. But I feel like a lot of people know about Starman. Like, not a lot, but... The I, general I, audience. I, I, was, I was comparing I it to... I compared it to In the Mouth of Madness, and I said, which one do people know less? True. Yeah. Um, couple, Starman I actually at least heard of. In the Mouth of Madness, I never even heard of it. You need to watch it. I don't know where it's at. I thought I saw it on Amazon Prime at one point. Mm, I, yeah, it doesn't, even, it doesn't even show like where you can stream it on here. I'm on IMDb. If you can find it, it, watch it. Okay. Um, I have three more films. This is my oldest film on the list from 1921. It's called The Phantom Carriage. I, I've heard of it. Yeah. It's fantastic. I haven't seen it, but I've definitely heard of it. I heard it's really good. It's essentially the plot is um, on New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. If you die, I believe, right before the new year, mm-hmm. you take over this you take over what is essentially the phantom carriage. And for the whole year, you are collecting the souls of everyone that dies that year. What the heck? It's a Swedish. Oh, dude. It's a Swedish. Oh film. yeah. I am. Oh, I just saw that right now. That's and, like, crazy. The special effects, like obviously like aren't up like they're 1920s, but they're even advanced for like a 1921 oh, film. Dude, the visual effects, like something like something as simple as like no, Nosferatu. Mm-hmm. is like mind-blowing because you can't because people these Nosferatu days still blows even, my mind you know Sparatu is like scary good mm-hmm. i've yet to i can't see that one alone that still gives me the creeps really i love Dude, that movie I, no it's so good but like i can't watch it alone i have to uh-huh. have someone with me <laughs> it's um because again with phantom carriage too i think it came out before Nosferatu mm-hmm. too so mm-hmm. it like had a non-linear story had flashbacks within flashbacks and also had like really advanced special effects for the time. Right. I want to make sure I get the plot right. Yeah, you're right. Because it says on New Year's Eve, the driver of a ghostly carriage forces a drunken man to reflect on his selfish, wasted life. Yeah. Okay. I did get it right. Yeah. 
it's so good it's like it's a silent so it's film a, too so that's in, why in a way in a way it almost sounds like uh, like a uh, christmas carol kind of you know what i'm actually just reading about now hmm. the plot takes place about new year's eve this film was released on new year's day in 1921 <laughs> so i'm gonna guess they did that to fuck with people you probably to be like because again like movies were so new at the time people oh, yeah, probably like people thought it was real people thought it was like and it's classified as a fantasy film but it's also kind of like a horror film. horror it sounds like a horror film it's beautiful right here it says drama fantasy horror yeah i actually love the poster of just like because you can tell it's like a, a guy riding the carriage but he doesn't look like he wants to be on it mm-hmm. like uh, this cloaked figure like he's just forced to do it mm-hmm I don't know. Phantom Carriage blew me away the first time I saw it. I need, I need to, to watch re- it. I need to revisit it. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, last two films I have on my list are both Japanese films. One is called Quidon, which I've talked about on this podcast a couple times. Mm-hmm. It is a three-hour anthology film from 1965 Jeez. that consists of four Japanese like ghost stories and uh, mythologies. Mm-hmm. So good. Has some of the best um, imagery. Mm-hmm set designs um cool stories um it's such a good film it's worth every three like every minute of that three hours it honestly goes by real quick too because it's it's not one story it's four separate stories oh wow okay um they're not connected in any way it's just literally just four ghost stories that's interesting okay and then the last film i have on my list Mm -hmm. acclaimed filmmaker akira kurosawa obviously known for like samurai films and some of his dramas from the 50s and 60s responsible mm-hmm. for creating Star Wars with his movie Hidden Fortress. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to talk about his film from 1990 called Dreams or I think it's called Kurosawa's Dreams. I think so. Yeah. And that's another like anthology film mm-hmm. where all the the segments in the film are kind of inspired by just again Japanese folklore but also his dreams that he had okay it's some of and like the character in the film is kind of dressed like him Mm -hmm. and it's just walking through all these scenarios Mm -hmm. um trying to think but it addresses so many themes throughout the film the color pieces and even some of the segments are just beautifully shot Mm -hmm. Martin Scorsese has a cameo in it Really? Vincent Van Gogh. Interesting. <laughs> it's very good, though. And I think this was at a, a low point in Kurosawa's career. So, like, Spielberg, Coppola, and I think... Who was it? I know. It was just Spielberg and Lucas helped fund the movie and produced it. Oh, what the because heck? they oh, wanted Kurosawa awesome. to make another movie. Right, right. And they were friends wow, with him. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Dude, but, I, okay, I need to see that then. It's like... Again, it's not Kurosawa's best film, but it's one of his more underknown, underrated films. Right, right. Okay. Just see it alone for like the set pieces and like the storytelling. Right. Um, that's it for my list because it ends with Crimson Peak. We already talked about that. Right. Oh man, God, damn dude, we got over two hours yet again. I know. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yeah. Hey, oh, in a day's work. It is for real. <laughs> Uh, this was a great episode. We should do the um, the overrated movies, mm-hmm. and um, I'd be down should... just to break down just like a director, and then like talk about you know whatever. Honestly, we should do that as an episode this year. 
I'm totally down. We'll do that. Um, I don't know when. I got to plan out this schedule. Some mm-hmm. slots are starting to fill up, which is good. That's good. I'm trying to work with people's schedules too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're, I'm waiting for some people to get back to me on dates they would possibly want. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you're more than welcome to come on the show anytime, Arsenio. <laughs> uh, once I start working again, there'll be probably, um, I'll probably only have the weekends to actually work on or to actually do um, the podcast. So yeah, That's but fine. for sure. Yeah. I'm always down. Always so, down to come back. Sweet. Well, I know you were just on for the Christmas episode, but let everybody know again where they can find you. Yeah. <laughs> Dang, I was going to try to ham it up. Never mind. <laughs> uh, yeah, guys, you can Life you is can good. Me on Instagram. <laughs> um, it can be better. <laughs> Life is good, but it can be better. Uh, you can you can always find me on uh, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter, and um, uh, A three reviews, A three underscore reviews, or just A three reviews. You'll find me there. Um, yeah, I think I think I'm more active on Instagram and YouTube, or Instagram more for like social media um, wise. Twitter is just there to re- repost memes or talk to Tim or find <laughs> memes. Yeah, <laughs> to find memes and send you. That's all yeah, we yeah. do. That, honestly yes <laughs> but i, I don't yeah. know if it was you that sent me it but it was the pedro one from wonder woman where they're like say the say the thing you do on tv and he like <laughs> turns around and then he turns back and it's this is the way this is the way that's what i sent you yeah dude i i about cried what saw that i i was laughing so hard probably laughing harder than i should have but i was like dude this is like beyond perfect i don't know who made this but they deserve a gold star they do Oh, the, like that movie's got so many good memes coming out about it. I, I'm I'm laughing because I'm like, is it a good movie? No, but is is a good meme machine? Oh, dude, yes. totally. <laughs> I then I feel like that's the new way to uh, judge a movie. Is if it's memeable, is it good? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the but movie's good, but it can't be better. <laughs> it can be better. I renounce my wish. I don't oh, want the Wonder gosh. Woman sequel. No, no, thank you. I don't even want a third one. I'm fine. Oh, it already got greenlit, so I know it's like well, it's not going to happen for four years. I heard because she's doing Star Wars. Yes, I'm so excited. I honestly, I am can't, excited about that wait. one. Yeah, but yeah, this was a lot of fun. Season three is going to have a lot of surprises in store. A lot of great episodes coming your way. Um, we can catch up with it on Facebook and Instagram at Lighting Up the Marquee. Um, we've been a lot more active on Instagram. Uh, I post every now and again on Facebook, but I guess season three is the road to 100. We're going to try to get season finale to be the biggest episode. Hopefully, maybe we'll have to figure out what's going to happen, but it'll be episode 100. I have no idea what I'm going to try to do for that. <laughs> I was Dude, even th- that should be your because I know you talked to me about like having a panel. I was uh, oh, you should do that as your panel one, as I, your hundredth episode. I was con- I was actually kind of thinking about that. You know, like the Hollywood Reporters like director roundtable. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to bring on like a bunch of directors, like you, me, the Onyx, like some people from the Onyx team. Oh, dude, um, that'd be sick. maybe Max, Nick, mm-hmm. um, maybe some more of my friends from film school, and like we all just have like a roundtable of like directing experiences <laughs> and directing experiences, director talk, like filmmaking, like filmmakers. Oh, dude, I have so many stories. Did I ever tell you about the hobos in the park when yeah, I tried yeah, shooting yeah, yeah, yeah. my... <laughs> I still have the video, and oh, my friend Aaron took it, and I was just like, seriously, guys, I have no crew. <laughs> I have barely a crew. It's just me, my actor. <laughs> and we're like, and we're like, we're ready to shoot. 
we I say okay action and then they start arguing. <laughs> I'm just I like, think you what? told me about that when we were filming the in the shadow of the day. Oh yes, 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 yes. I remember yeah, when yeah. I showed up, I was the only one there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, Arsenio, I don't know if you're going to show up, but I'm going to use the restroom real quick if you can't find me. <laughs> and you're like, be safe. And I was like, what is that? Because yeah, they have a bunch of hobos over there. That bathroom was, was sketchy. Like, I didn't like it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> That's then, where you go beforehand. I also thought, well, I drove from Norwalk to Covina. True. Um, but I um, I thought I saw you and I texted mm. you. I was like, I was like, oh, are you over here? And I started walking over to this guy and he pulls out a tennis racket and I immediately like turned like hard 90 degree and I went, that's not Arsenio. Oh my gosh, that's funny. And then I didn't know who the actress was. Mm-hmm. And I saw this girl and I thought that was the actress. And then nope, this girl just got her roller skates out. <laughs> started rollerblading. Oh my gosh. I was like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I'm just here to film. I'm a, <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, a, I'm a strange man in strange land. I need help. I'm just a humble actor. I'm not even oh an actor. <laughs> I'm a director trying to be an actor. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to help. <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, I'm thinking about doing that for episode 100. Or I, I want to make it like a big like celebration. Oh, dude, um, it'd be great if you could if you could do that. That'd be awesome. Especially try to get like to- the other podcast on or something. Some oh, dude, like, that'd be totally that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, like maybe just a huge panel of everybody that's been involved with the show. Dude, that that'll be that'll be intense. I have no <laughs> idea what's that'd be a lot of people. A lot of people. I don't know how well that's gonna work as a podcast. <laughs> it's just gonna be like people talking over each other. <laughs> what? It's like some calls interrupting. <laughs> it's like that's all I missed that. What? No, uh, dude. No, uh, uh, that's all it is. Just go ahead. Just go, 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 go. Yeah, thanks for listening. <laughs> for two hours, that's all you're hearing. Honestly, like, I have no idea. I'll figure it out. Season three is going to be bigger and better than season two. Mark my words. Yeah. <laughs> all right, marking them down right now. Down. <laughs> January 8th when this episode drops. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> you can listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. I just got back the stats that Apple Podcasts and Spotify are like the two top uh, download areas. So thank you. Woo, woo. Remember to go leave us a review. Go rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. Help promote the show. Share it with a friend. Um, if they want to listen to some long podcasts. Last three episodes have been over two hours. Dude. Oh, last, the last one was... Oh, no. It would hit three hours. It was about like two, four, almost three hours. 250 something like that like round up three hours either way either way i beat nick so it's fine (laughs) i don't know if i might throw a commercial break in this episode i have no idea probably not i'm gonna probably save those sparingly or try to get um i'm probably gonna reach out to them and get new ads for Mm -hmm. season three and i gotta send some ads out to other shows Mm -hmm. but yeah thanks for joining today arsenio we're gonna have you back on soon um i don't know how soon because you, honestly you probably could be on the next episode too <laughs> surprise surprise <laughs> three times a, three times in a row let's go but until then i'm your host tim martin and this has been lighting up the marquee 